we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome to the Nerds Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today in the new look pad. Uh, the live lounge. S- sign the petition. He signed the petition for us to go back to the old place. <laughs> sign the petition. Andy's wearing slippers. Andy's been wearing Not slippers. I had to take them off because they were telling me that. He is. He's just fucking sat there like Jonathan King. <laughs> right. Uh, Martin Theobald and Terry Jeffendama, as per usual. And Harvey Weinstein sat in his chair over there. <laughs> what? what on, on the casting couch. Am I related? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, how have your weekends been? Well, I've been non-eventful. Just been out for dinner this afternoon with a family. That's about it. Terry? No, any... not, mate, I was in Leeds all week, so I've just been trying to get back to being civilised again. I think I like the ones where you're just like, you said you're like, I had, all I remember is it's, I had a bottle of rum in my hand. It was 3 a.m. <laughs> Those ones, they're, they're the best ones. But you know what? No, no. <laughs> what was your text the other Listen. day, though, Terry? <laughs> Which one? The one after Hey Bell You. Fuck, what did I say then? I, I was no, that was on the Sunday, wasn't it? When I text saying, like, oh, I'm pissed enough now that I could, uh, I could slander some people. Oh, uh, yeah. Didn't get a response. And on the Monday, you were like, I could be in. Uh, I could be in a new campaign. I suspect. Now look, I. I'm I going to go into I, it. I, I, I was. I was emotionally damaged that weekend. Are we going to have to cover that because people are going to want to know what you guys <clears> think. <throat> um, no one wants to know what I think. <laughs> How's your weekend, Andy? Killed uh, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you are a horrible, horrible man. No, I'm just saying you were there when I. I well, no, I wasn't, and. No, I wasn't, and no, I didn't. <laughs> Facts speak for themselves. Oh, right. <laughs> I would have thought you kept your SAA. Do you know what? Anyone listening service. to this, everyone, if you think Martin's horrible, like a horrible <laughs> see you next Tuesday, then that's exactly what. If I told you, oh, don't. don't. Yeah, no, it's accurate. <laughs> it's accurate. I'm not going to deny it. Um, You've known me enough. How many years? 20 plus. Right. Have we got anything more to talk about before we go? No, we finished. We're done. That was a great podcast, it guys. Was. See much. you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Roll outro. Um, right. Okay. Let's move on then. Hey, Bell, you. Tell me what your thoughts are. I, obviously, it's going to be a, a bit more comp- compartmentalized. Stop too early. The wrong fight. week. No, no, yeah, but the fight was stopped too early. 
David was fine. <laughs> David was fine. If you notice, right? There were just two flash knockdowns. David wasn't hurt by any of those punches. Mm-hmm. He was in his physical. It was ninety nine all over again. He, he was. Listen, he was brilliant. Like I, I genuinely that was the best David I've seen in at least like two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't laugh. Well, why is everyone laughing? I'm deadly serious. Like. Well, it, it, almost, yeah, it, almost, it, it, it almost feels like Matt Shum bribed David to hit the floor like that because that's not the David Hay we remember. Like, but it was so dejecting to watch when it like as a boxing fan, and you know David, you know relatively better than most people. Um, as a boxing fan, and somebody who's watched his way up to watch his way down, and I know we say it quite often that boxers ought to hand over the you know the torch to the next generation. That wasn't the case because Bellew's hardly a 21-year-old whippersnapper that's coming through that could take the Hay name and build on it. It was just a cash-out, wasn't it? It was a cash-out. It, it, it looked like it was decided in a boardroom where it was just like, look, you're never going to get the Joshua fight. We're just never going to give it to you. This is the best option you have. And we will give you, on pay-per-view, we'll give you Bellew or Dillian White. You choose which one you want. I imagine it, it felt like that because I can, I can remember popping into the gym and talking to David. And I asked him honestly, I was like, mate, do you feel good? And I heard all this positive stuff. And I was like, you're not that much older than me. I don't feel great. <laughs> and I don't train three times yeah, a day. I'm like, look, I don't feel <clears throat> great. I do eight or nine rounds on the bag and I don't feel great the next day. So I know what a slog it is to do a training camp. And all I could say in the end was, and I, I, I said this before the fight, I just said, number one, thank you, because you didn't have to give me this chance. You have to give the young lads their chance either. So I said, that, just thank you for that. And thank you for being the guy who showed us how boxing can be. And 20 years from now, people will have to say, you were the catalyst for all of that. I mean, left there, shook hands, hugged, left. And then I watched what happened on Saturday and I watched it with with a heavy heart because he's better than that. That was like, that was like watching Ali versus Burbick and you're watching and you're like, <sighs> there must be, um, there must be. Just to clarify before we go on, sorry, <laughs> because we keep talking about like, it's just happened. This is a week and a bit ago. Yeah. In case yeah, people yeah. didn't are listening to the wrong week's worth of podcast. Or- yeah. We, we will be talking about Lomachenko, Linares and Huey Fury, Sam Sexton, um, Unfortunately, we will be talking about both those fight previews, no, <laughs> no reviews of those two <laughs> fights. But just to sort of go back to, there must be other other fighters. Well, in fact, I know there are, given on what you said in the past, that have boxed past the point where they should have stopped. Yeah. And then when you watch them, it's a sorry state of affairs. Is this any different to any of those? Well, and if it is, why? It's, 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 so in the old days, they'd, they'd always just dig these corpses up. Maybe you've been retired two or three years, you're a doorman somewhere, and you'd get called in to fight the young prospect. This is how the game used to work. And then you had kind of the 70s where boxing really exploded into the public consciousness. And Ali was that first guy that the world saw and went, you're carrying on too long. And it was Larry Holmes fight. And if you remember in the Holmes fight, Holmes was looking at the ref like, can you stop this? Do you remember it, Andy? And the ref... And the I was ref, there, Mike. <coughs> Har- Harvey was there. <laughs> he was looking quite sheepish around you today, wasn't he? <laughs> He's just barking a grim reap every time he looked at you. <laughs> he knows you're no, a ref. But look, so so you, you had it with Ali. Ali was that first guy where we were like, 
as as a as a boxing community, that's too much. Against Holmes, when Holmes was begging the ref to stop it, against Burbick, who was utterly ruthless in dispatching him, <clears throat> and Ali was the age that Hay is now. And then you've got Roberto Duran, who had his wilderness years, and everyone was like, "Why doesn't he give up?" But he found that once in a lifetime performance against Ira and the Blade Barkley. You had Sugar Ray Leonard going on too long against uh, it was terrible Terry Norris, who was actually Abel Sanchez's first project. So if you ever want to know what Abel Sanchez is like as a trainer, apart from being incredibly racist, just look at the work he did with Terry Norris. Didn't do as good with Golovkin, that's for sure. So we've had this, this dynamic that carries on. Larry Holmes versus Mike Tyson, George Foreman versus Evander Holyfield, where guys have gone on that little bit too long. And you're like, I didn't need to see that. And then we're seeing it with David. We saw it with Danny Williams. We see it with Michael Scott <coughs> against Joshua. You I think the most modern example is Roy Jones. But Roy Jones tailored his opponents to where he was with his career. Exactly. So he wasn't fighting elite level boxers through his um, the, the end days of his career. It was on like a world tour. And whether that's because he got some dodgy Russian situation, I don't know. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. But, you know, he was... Uh, I love the fact you say what you want to say. It's always the same on this show. You say what you want to say and then go, oh, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, he tailored, so he's meant to fight Tony Moran up in Liverpool. That fight never came off. But that tells you what level of fighter he was going in against at that period yeah. of his career. He was, he was a former MMA, but, wasn't he? Uh, he was a former boxer as well. He was a British champion, Tony. Right. But, oh, okay. you know, he'd been inactive for, and homeless for a period of time. Yeah, and also remember Tony. When, remember when Tony came to do Prize Fighter here and we all knew he was <laughs> shot to bits. When he shouldn't have even passed a medical. Yeah, but, but the fans turned out because it's James Tony. And it's almost like, like here's the thing. I think I'm not going to say the trainer who said this. Former boxer trainer said, unless you've boxed in the ring, you don't have the right to tell a boxer when to quit. Bullshit. Everybody, <laughs> the doctor standing at the side of the ring whilst the bloke's pissing with well, blood, no, no, face but, like a fucking pincushion. <laughs> he's like, I, I really can't say, mate. I've never stepped in a ring. All right, you, I'll carry son. on. No, no, but, no, but, <laughs> but, but, no, but in that wider sense, the thing is... Staple your liver back. The thing is, if, if you're... If you're in a family, your wife, your kids, your mum, your dad, your cousins should be telling you, mate, this is too much. We can't cope with this. So for, for, for someone to say that, for someone who didn't really rise to the heights of their talent to say, oh, unless you've boxed, you can't really tell someone when to quit. I absolutely can tell you when to quit because you're not doing what you were capable of before. And it's just, it's harming your legacy and it's harming your health. But it's been sad to watch David decline. Like I genuinely think, and I'm gonna get shot down for this, I reckon, the hay that fought Demori would have given Bellew a far better fight than what we saw last time. I don't know how that degeneration has happened so quickly. Um we've discussed this behind the scenes so people know what the <coughs> root cause of all of this really is. I don't think will ever be publicized, but you guys know, Bellew knows, Caldwell definitely knows, and Let's just pause for a second. I just want to ask a question. When you see a boxer that badly injured that many times over that many years and you blame the boxer, why is it that we don't ask those that are responsible for the conditioning side of the fighter why someone is getting injured so often? Why has that question never been asked? because their reputation is to protect. But it's okay to shoulder the blame on David Hay, 
But David was doing what he was told. He trusted people to do the best thing for him. I think what's quite sad is that if that is the end of his career, those people that were in his corner weren't the people that were ever, you know, as part of his party of people, weren't those that were there at the beginning of his career. So, you know, somewhere through the evolution of David Hay, if you wanted somebody who was there at the beginning, you would have that trust in them. You would have that ability to, you know, know they've got your best interest at heart. But there's a lot of people there that are Johnny-come-latelys that are, you know, are they they're just there as part of the Hay but, brand? I don't know. You can keep it's, going, it's, David. You can keep no, going. But, one, but, more, one more fight. Otherwise, I've got to find a new but job. But everyone forgets, though. The same thing with Ali, right? That the people around him kept drifting away when they realised it was bad. But the the Muhammad family, uh, Elijah Muhammad's family, I think it was his sons, who were in charge of Ali's commercial affairs, were like, no, nah, this guy's got to keep going. And... It was never about a legacy at that point. It was just we can get more big money fights and they were just selling the Ali name. I think what's the saying that it's not necessarily the punches to the head that ruin a fighter, but all the pats on the back. Yeah. <laughs> and I think well, that probably stands true a little bit for Hay at this stage. Yeah. Um, Everyone hoping they're going to see vintage David Hay and, and it's just impossible. And, to and, and they're telling Hay probably, you're still brilliant. You're still brilliant. No. I bet you there weren't that many in like voices in the changing room after saying, hang them up, David. So so let's tie this up because we've got so much to get through, but Oh no, uh, the other stuff's gonna be really brief. Do we <laughs> do we do we hope that this is the last time we ever see I, yes. mean, I certainly do. I don't want I, to I don't want to see him again. I really I don't want to see him again. He he must have enough pride about himself to to realise it's only harming it's only harming his legacy. Um, but will he? And um, will we will we see in a, him in a ring again? Yes. Well, I can't see oh, who, but but who? Against who? I don't think it even matters. But when you heard him pre fight, he said even if he won, if he didn't win in a style that he was happy with, then he'd call it a day. And then straight after the fight, after he's lost, and granted there are all the emotions that come with it and you're thinking him what's just happened. But straight after, when he's being interviewed, and they're saying, "Is that it?" and he's like, "Well, we'll see. We'll we'll take a view on it." And I think for that one eighty in his view to happen so immediately, no, the only thing I can think of is because I remember when he did his Achilles against Bellew, and we were talking then, and I said, "Hey, you might have to look at this stem cell therapy shit." And he was dismissive of it then. So he had it operated on the conventional way. He might be sat there now going, do you know what, if I get the stem cell thing, it might prolong my career. I might be like a new man. But just clutching, no, no, isn't he? Yeah, but what will happen is he'll get in the ring and he'll start sparring. And some 16-year-old kid from Dale Youth or from the Lynn will start beating up on him. And at that point, it will be so real to him. He'll have no choice but to go, I know I don't have it anymore. Is it really just about the money? Uh, right, Bellew, I suppose we've got, we've got to at least look at that side of things. Um, Let's congratulate Tony. <coughs> I, I know I get a hard time for slagging him off for his contradictory statements and his seeming desire to want to just right all the world's wrongs. But the guy showed up and unlike last time, he put David on his ass with legitimate punches. The punches he hit David with, yeah, they they felled David Hay. They they dropped him. And he did what he had to do. He knew he just had to keep going till the body started to break down. And that's what he did. He waited. The thing I 
just loathe about the guy is that he tries to cover all his bases. Look, I might go out there, I might get knocked out, but I know it's going to happen. History's going to repeat itself. I'm going to win. And just like every every conceivable situation has either been played out by in in some in what is what is framed as like hyperbole or whatever. And so that when it comes to the after events, like. I told you it's going to happen. Yeah, Tony, you also told us that David Hay was going to do a fucking Superman punch, knock you out in the seventh round. Because you've, you've covered every conceivable yeah. outcome. So, so it, that frustrates me. And, and that's the problem with what I call the, the, the bias of the winner. When you win, you can say, oh, this is what I won. And no one can really argue you down. The fact is he fought a David Hay who you could have beaten, Andy. If you could have just kept your hands up long enough, you could have beaten that David Hay. And... Tony's going to dine on this for a while, but deep down he knows he's a 35-year-old man, rapidly approaching 36, is getting harder and harder to motivate himself. And now he's the cash cow that people are hunting. Now people want to fight him. Is he going to give people the same opportunity when he gets called out by the likes of Dillian White, maybe even a Joe Joyce, Tyson Fury? Will Tony Bellew step up? So is, it, <coughs> is it an impressive win for Bellew or is it an embarrassing loss for Hay? That's uh, an embarrassing loss for David Hay. Bellew hasn't had an impressive win since... I'll even be generous and go Chilemba too. Um, I, so as a cruiserweight, nothing impressive. You know, even that Makabu win. Where the hell's Makabu now? <laughs> you know, because normally, like, if someone's really at that level, you're told to see He would have been in the Super Sixes if he yeah. was what we were told he was. He'd have been in the mix somewhere. But he's not. Because um, he wasn't. So what, where does Bellew go now? Here's a Bellew test for me. It'd be interesting to get your guys' view. Find someone with a big name, reasonably inactive, maybe coming back off an injury, maybe retired or maybe drifting off. Someone who hasn't fought recently. <laughs> <laughs> and who go after them. that be? Go after them. If they're British, even better. <laughs> if they're based in the Northwest <clears throat> too, Perfect. Just putting local it up. rivalry, yeah, and Mine. then we'll find out that you know, Bell, you beat him up in sparring, right? That's what we'll, we'll hear that again. I don't know. He talks about Andre Ward. Um, I, I don't know. Like Andre Ward is a ring legend. Tony Bellew to put himself in that same bracket by mentioning Andre Ward. I just think you're taking the piss a little bit. Just picking off retirees. Yeah, like for a man who's beaten Masternak, Chilemba, Makabu. Cleverly. Cleverly. And then he's, and a, you know, a broken David Hay twice. And he's talking about, I want Andre Ward. I'm like, Give it a bit of a rest, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think know. to me, he's just Do you think he's chancing his arm? Does, does he, is he, what is he doing? Chasing the dollar? Or is he, is he just hoping Andre uh, Ward's going to be off uh, his game and I, he can beat him? I'll tell you what I'd respect Bellew for. Just calling out Joseph Parker. Yeah. I'd respect him for that fight. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I want to see him do, really. I wouldn't mind seeing him retire. Creed. I've got no issues with him Creed. Yeah, go and do another Creed. I don't know. There's nothing I really... I want to see him get levelled. That's what I want to see. <laughs> There's nothing really that I care about with Tony Bellew. Like, I never have done through his career. Ever since I saw him fight Roberto Bellonti on the Carl Froch use of Mac undercard, I've never cared for Tony Bellew. I've warmed to him slightly over this whole hey um, debacle. I have to some extent, but <laughs> but I don't care enough about him to think. Yeah, I'd love him to get one big, huge payday before he goes. I'm not the, really that bothered. the only thing when I look at both 
and I know I accept this is purely in retrospect. When I look back at both the Bellew Hay fights, I think to myself, the only really the most prominent thought when Tony Bellew, I think to myself, well played, Tony. You yeah. picked him off. Well done. You saw that you could do. Well played, mate. You've got. You've got. But Good I don't hustle. think to myself, excellent boxing technique. I don't think anything else other than, you know, well that the was o- fucking that was well the done. The only thing now that would make me fully respect Tony Bellew and like if he sails off into the sunset after it, win or lose, I'll fully respect him. Is if he goes back to cruiserweight and takes on the winner of the the World Boxing Super Series. So if he took on Usyk, if he took on Gassiev, after whoever wins that fight wins it. Then that's fine because he left cruiserweight like under a cloud to go and take on David Hay. If he goes back, settles a score there, win or lose, and I can take a punt which it'll be, win or lose, like at that point, if he calls it a day, I'm cool with that. But at the moment, I think you could have entered that World Boxing Super Series. If your career was about legacy, you could have entered that World Boxing Super Series. You didn't. You chose the money fight. Which is fine, because when I look at that lineup that was in it, I'd have done exactly the same thing. No um, problem with it. But don't tell me your career is about legacy if you're willing to well, make that look, step. Look, I, I go back to, what was the Usyk fight that was on Sky? Um, he, fought, he was in Germany, and he fought a German guy. I can't remember his name. And do you remember, Bellew and Caldwell did the commentary. And Bellew was asked, do you fancy any of this Usyk? And he was like, no. He said it right there. He was like, No. No. Oh, at, at the time he played it off like I'm after the bigger fights in the division. Slightly confusing, but he was like he he was adamant he wouldn't. Bellew's not an idiot. One thing I'll give Tony credit for is he knows boxing. Everyone you speak to that knows Tony Bellew's like, no, 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 no. He knows his shit when it comes to boxing. So respect to him for that. And he knows his limitations. He knows against someone who's young, big, strong, and energetic, he's going to struggle. So look at him to pick off some more low-hanging fruit before he retires. Uh. I don't mind that. Ness. Just let him let him do it. Like, all right. So what's the what's if you were in, like I say, when I say well played, Bellew, if you're in, if you he's looking to do another ooh, sneaky. What's the what's the best sort of what's the sneakiest shot he could go for? So biggest money, least risk. Yeah. Um, Lomachenko. That he can dress up. Lomachenko. Get Lomachenko up. <laughs> Dress it up as competitive. <laughs> he can dress up as. He loves that as, fight. Oh, uh, anyway. no, I, I don't. I don't know, and I don't care really. Like, yeah, I, I, as soon as he I took do. those two hay fights, I just saw him as more of a novelty act than a boxer. Well, and yeah. again, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Just don't talk about the legacy if yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the route you're going down. Terry, is that it? You done? Um, Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's talk about uh, this week. Huey Fury. Sam Sexton. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I came into the I came into this room ready to slate Huey Fury, and then my my more sensible head prevailed, and I realised actually Huey shouldn't be fighting Sam Sexton, even for a comeback after a world title loss where he wasn't knocked out and he wasn't hurt. They should have found another route for him, and. You know, Alexander Dimitrenko's ranked number eight in the IBF. I haven't seen that guy fight in ages. That's a fight Huey Fury can win. Huey Fury could beat Christian Hammer. Huey Fury could beat Tom Schwartz, who was involved in that brilliant headbutt incident um, a couple of weeks ago. He could fight Otto Valin. He could fight Caballel. Huey Fury that Caballel could... fight would be horrendous. It would. <laughs> but, 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 but the point why, is... Why the, point, would... the point is, Huey could have come in 
at a far higher level than Sam Sexton, who, from what I'm hearing, was getting slapped about in sparring ahead of this fight. And it's not like he was sparring Joshua. Uh, is this a clash of styles you're talking Caballero about? was a guy that beat Derek Chisora um, out in Monaco earlier this year oh, or okay. last year, I can't remember when it was, uh, for the European title. And he's like Huey Fury. So you would probably end up with the two of them rotating around the outside of the ring like some Russian dance. It would be like having two magnets with the north pointing at each other. <laughs> it would. Yeah, the CompuBox stats would be like inverted in some way. It would... It would be really horrible to watch. Punches um, thrown, zero. Punches thought of throwing, a million. <laughs> Shades of Ali, yeah. one. Yeah, but look. I think Huey could have done that in two rounds. He didn't. He did it in, was it four? Five? Something like that. I wasn't even counting. The Where does he go? The headlines were Huey Fury outclasses Sam Sexton. He did. But, but, but a hamster would outclass Sam Sexton. So you've got, you got to always have a sense of perspective on these things. Remember Sam Sexton won that belt off Gary Cornish. Gary Cornish is pretty poor. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's a nice way of Such putting it. Such a heartless. No, no, but this is... Look, I don't have a problem with Gary Cornish, though. Yeah, so, like, is, I'm just saying, he's not very it's good. It's a guy that you saw a run over twice on his way up to world title level. So, Sexton's had his best days. And I, I respect the fact that he can now say he was British champion and in his part of the world, he will be something, you know, he's like the the Anglian Dorian Darch. So and hopefully he got paid well for it or paid at all. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> but, but, uh, so, 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 no, so my point is, look, a guy like Huey Fury is in this really horrible position. The guys who hold the belts would run over him. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. They're too big, too strong, too experienced. No one else will fight him because he's a hard fight for anyone and there's very little value to be gained. So he's going to have to park himself back in the WBO like he did before and maybe have to fight his cousin Tyson because I think they'll struggle with the IBF. The IBF looks like it's going down the we want to be in bed with Eddie Hearn route. So he's going to struggle there. He'll never fight Tyson. No. Yeah, the WBC route's locked down by Heyman. He's he's got Wilder there parked up. He's got Brazil. He's got God knows who else. And Hearn's got the WBA locked down. So where does Huey go? He's got to go the WBO route, the same route I imagine Tyson will go down. So what do you do in that situation? It was telling though, in the post-fight interview, the mention of Tyson wasn't well received. I think I can put it that way without ending up with people knocking at my door. It just wasn't well received, judging by the body language. Both Furies seemed to bristle at the mention of his name. Tyson wasn't there, which, <laughs> which is a big statement. It's probably the first Huey fight that Tyson hasn't attended. First that I can think of. Was he at Parker? Yep. Remember, he did the hacker with Parker in the uh, changing rooms after. Um, so it's the first one he hasn't attended. And I think whenever you see an interview with Peter and he's asked about Tyson, rightly, Peter says, like, that's none of my business now. Like, you know, it's not my my fighter, not my concern. Rightly so as well, because he left him a long time back now and Tyson's got his own roots now with Ben Davison. Um, but yeah, there's clearly a frosty relationship there in some way. John Fury, um, brother of Peter, wasn't there at the fight either from what I saw. Um it's Interesting. I won't delve too deep into that, um, but just interesting. Where, where, where do either of those guys go? They have the same challenge, but from different start points, right? 
Tyson needs to get back to the top, but the route's unclear because he's going to get blocked by Hearn at various points. So if he goes after Joshua immediately, expect Bellew to get thrown in there first, then Dillian will get thrown in there, and Jarrell Miller will get thrown in by Hearn to keep him away from Joshua. If he partners with Frank, there's that WBO route that's always open, and Hearn can't block that one. Can I can I ask if <clears throat> if you had ten world class boxers just beamed in from space tomorrow, and they went up to Matchroom and said, "We want to fight for you," would would Eddie Hearn take them all on? <laughs> I think we'll discuss this later as part of the zone. Yeah, I, well, I, the, 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 I mean, albeit it's a bit convoluted, but the point I'm trying to make is, if he wanted to. Could Tyson Fury have signed with Matchroom? Yes, it was close. So, in that circumstance, you're saying now that Hearn would be blocking him for belts. Yeah. What would Hearn do with him? Because he's clearly uh, so. So, but he's not Hearn's problem. So I accept that now, but if but if, no, no. If, so, so I'm what, just wondering. I've just got a, a curious as to what's if the scenario was reversed and he and he was he with can, Hearn. He can either move the roadblocks in the way or move them out the way. Yeah, it's up to Eddie what he does. So if you sign with Eddie, he'll remove those roadblocks. He'll take Dillian White out of the equation. He'll pay a few quid, presumably, to some of the governing bodies. He'll make sure Jarrell Miller doesn't get a shot anytime soon. He could bring Fury through. He could fast-track him. But if Fury goes the other way, which he's done and gone to Frank Warren, then every attempt that he makes to get to Anthony Joshua, bar probably the WBO, as Terry said, Hearn holds people that can get in the way. So he can make sure, he can lobby for Dillian White to, to be the first one to Joshua and not Tyson Fury. But there's an interesting position. I can't remember which governing body said it, but they said if Tyson comes back and gets licensed and wins, he will assume the ranking he should have had subject to performance, which is a big subject to performance. So I don't know if the governing bodies wanted to give themselves some leeway in case Fury comes back and looks good and you can fast track him. Because remember... The bigger fight Fury's in, the more money they get. So it's really, Fury's like the wild card in all this because you want Fury to go down your route because his fights will be bigger than anyone else's. So could the WBO just call in their mandatory in like two fights time? Um, they could rank him fourth, right? They and could rank it, him first. Yeah. I mean, their they're rankings yeah. are crap anyway. Well, apart from light heavyweight where they're spot on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until you offer him a world title fight, and then they're like, it wasn't nah, a w- nah, 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 nah. wasn't a WBO oh, belt. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so don't want to cheat on a WBO. I can oh. guess what's happening here. I don't know what's happening, but just from the body language. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about that WBO belt. Like that's the real belt in the light heavyweight division. <laughs> the most prestigious belt is a WBO. That's a real belt. That's a real. Like, that's, that's the real like belt. The real right quiz. Well, that's no, no, wait, quiz. wait, hold on. No, no, but look at the. We threw a kettle over a pub. Yeah, <laughs> but look, right? Kovalev's got the belt. Kovalev's the best light heavyweight. <laughs> That's just, just, simple, just stating facts. Right, so then, so predictions on then where Huey Fury goes next. Well, I saw today Sam Jones, who's the, I'm going to say commercial manager for Joe Joyce. How, not, is he, how is he allowed in the ring? I don't think he has a license. No, though. he's not a license holder to the best of my knowledge. I don't understand how he's allowed in the ring, but, you know, pass. Um, Does anyone actually know how he actually came into the sport? No. No boxing, idea. boxing not abiding by the same rules. That doesn't sound right. Whose mate was? But Eddie it? said people without licenses can't get in the ring, Deontay. Um, so yeah, he's ruled out Joe Joyce going after. Got a driving license, I, <laughs> He's sorry, ruled out sorry. Joe Joyce going after uh, Huey Fury. 
Huey Fury said he's going to drop the belt immediately, the British title, which suggests they've got a plan in place. Well, <laughs> I think they need to get in with the governing body first before they say they have a plan. But they've said they're going to drop the belt. Like, quite what they do with him next, I've no idea. But They'll hold it. And the reason... No, they've said they're getting rid. Yeah, but they'll hold it. <laughs> you know why? Because... They should really throw it. Because, you know, if you drop it now, there's a mad scramble for it, right? And you don't control that scramble and you can't get a deal out of it. If you if you sit on that for a bit, because you can do, and then maybe Frank comes up to you and goes, do you know what? I need Triple D to get this. And say, so, okay, what can you do for Huey? We'll drop it, but what can you do for Huey? I can have a word with the WBO. Fine. We'll but you're going to drop it anyway for you. Why not just wait until you drop it? Well, we don't, no, no, no. But if you don't, if you actually like, you know what? I might, I might, but you've applied, I, I, I might bully only it. But you've applied far more sense in that sentence there than Hennessy <laughs> has applied in the last 10 years of his promotional what was business. It? Well, who did Hennessy call novices last night? I don't know. It's just every heavyweight. Like, like <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Huey could fight these guys with all due respect. All of these guys are novices. And it's like, I swear Dillian White's in the mix in that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Hennessy's a fucking clown. He is. He is. He's an absolute fucking clown. And yeah, I said it. Mick Hennessy's a fucking clown. If I saw him, I'd say that dead to his face. How has this guy managed to stay in boxing after fucking up every career he's ever touched? Think of the names Mick Hennessy has had that's in the, his that's life. That's the reason I'm not a heavyweight champion, mate. <laughs> Like Mick, yeah. look at the name. One look, phone call and he ruined everything. Look at the names Mick Hennessy's had, right? Froch. Barker. Barker. Eubank Jr. DeGale. Yep. In a shopping centre in Essex. Oh, no, Mick. Do you, but do you see what I mean? He's had gold in his hands and he's turned it into fucking coal. But like I mean, anti, look at, that's anti, a gift. An anti-Midas touch. <laughs> yeah, he is. He just fucks everyone's career up. Look, can we, we touch on the event of it last night? Because it was in a conference centre at the Bolton Football Ground. It, was, it looked like Phoenix Knights. Um, <laughs> I saw you on your tweets. <laughs> Brian Potter. Um, Mate, you made it into the sun. I did make it into the sun. Check me out. I want to disassociate myself for all of those that are offended by the sun. You know, it's only Liverpool who cares about them. <laughs> God. That's it. That's the podcast dead in Liverpool. Uh, it was um, never alive. Well, um, how did you make it into the sun? Oh, I made some tweet about... Because this is it. Kerry Katona was there. And Kerry Katona's been building this whole event up. Like, she's promoted it better than Hennessy. The bird out of Atomic Kitten. Who, like, I only discovered yesterday wasn't even in their best song, Hole Again. I'm shocked by that. I just assumed that's where I knew her from, but she wasn't even in that fucking song. She left by that point, didn't she? Yeah, apparently yeah. she had a massive coke addiction. By the looks of her, hasn't got rid of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's friends with Peter Madonna, who was on the undercard. And so she's been hyping it up better than Mick Hennessy has, just to reiterate that. Um, and then she got in the ring before the fight. And she, again, I don't know what license she holds. Um... <laughs> And hey, are you on? I don't know. Um, but yeah, she She's was... probably on license, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Big tag going on. We haven't really addressed this. I thought she was going to be on the undercard. She's like a 40-year-old coke-sniffing tramp with about seven kids from eight different dads. <laughs> and we're just here praising Kerry Katona like she's relevant. No, I'm not. I'm not praising her whatsoever. I mean, anyone's, I'm just saying praise. that despite everything you just said, she did a better job promoting this than a <laughs> boxing promoter. Kerry could fucking tone. Like, Weinstein would have just been like, nah. You're not for me. Nah, <laughs> nah, still, nah. I've got <laughs> standards, you know. <laughs> We're going to play this one by the book. 
And Weinstein's just sat there in front of Katona, just sat on his hand. Katona's like, ah, are you going to go for a shower or something? <laughs> want a massage? He's like, nah. nah. <laughs> You're all right. <laughs> what, about, what, what about one of them other ones? Like, fuck it. I don't know. What group was she even in? I forgot. Atomic I can't remember the other Is that people? what Sarah Harding was in or she girls? Was one, you know the one that won MasterChef? No. No, anyway, she was in it. Jenny Frost was one of them. Yeah, that was a blondie, wasn't it? Yeah. And there was, and there was like a, a a ginger. I'm not sure why we've gone into... Yeah. But. So what was your favourite song from 2002's Atomic Kittens album? <laughs> Fluffy but, Kitten. Yeah, going back. Did she you say was... Filthy Kitten? Fluffy, Fluffy Kitten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea what the album was called. Probably not Fucking that. Hell. Oh, uh, do you remember when that guy she, she ended up like getting with this guy and he was like a fucking brickie right and within like a month he had bought a Porsche 911 <laughs> <laughs> he's moved into the house and then said look buy me a flat she bought him a flat bought him a Porsche 911 and he just started cheating on it <laughs> oh man so she's in Bolton last night I'll write her yeah yeah I don't know why but this whole event, they did the, the standard Channel 5 thing where they put a lot of the undercard on 5 Spike and then move it on to Channel 5 come the uh, the main event. And so, the un- like, what is Mick playing at? <laughs> the undercard was so shit. It wasn't even like, until about Thursday, it was Home Fighter versus TBA all the way down that card, aside from the Fury fight. That's quite fast for Hennessy. Normally, he he just matches it on the day. Yeah, that's why Shim Katona was there. Yeah, so in case anyone dropped she out, Savannah had someone to fight. <laughs> yeah, um, she thought it was Tinder for boxing. <laughs> so you've got this entire undercard of like catastrophe fights, like journeyman versus home prospect, and you're televising it. Like we discussed it the other week about what's good and what's bad for televised boxing like there is no way that undercard you know say somebody that's got a vague interest in boxing flicks through the channels turns that on they're gonna sit there thinking what the fucking hell is this Ooh, like Kirk Turner. <laughs> yeah oh i must be watching the best of 99 look no now, this is live I'll, right. I'll put it out there hobson's shows are better than what i saw yesterday but that's no benchmark well, that's no bench. I've seen white collar shows better than what I saw yesterday. But I don't, it's, I don't know. I, I like the Furies, but I think they need to just sack Hennessy off. Yeah, agree completely. And, and, and just say, grab someone like Carl Greaves or Kieran Farrell and say, mate, we will put you in the big time if you do what we need you to they do. They always say that the loyalty was something that was really important to them, mixed with them from yeah, the start yeah. and stuff like that, don't they? So, But they didn't unlike- stop them from going off to Frank Warren and being promoted <clears throat> there for a little while. With Mick like in the background, so Mick was still getting fed out of it, which is a significant amount of food. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was still getting his little bit out of it. Look, Hearn's got this massive deal that's been announced this week. We'll come on to that later. Let's not... Yeah, yeah. We'll come on to it. But he said, you know, any top class fighter out there that hasn't got a promotional deal, come and talk to me. They ought to be talking to Hearn. Hearn could do a job for Huey Fury. He's never going to be the prettiest on the eyes. Going back to the fight, he walks around the outside of the ring just as with Joseph Parker. He knocks out a bloke who is nowhere near Joseph Parker's levels. People talk about Huey Fury now being a different level to what he was before. No, the opponent was a different level to what he was before. But that back in the corner shots. Ah, You know when you're watching it on a big screen and stuff? It's, it's It's hard work, mate. Moving forward, do we think that Huey Fury has the ability to be 
up there as one of the top 100%. He has the ability to trouble Andy Joshua. I'd say right now, because he's so awkward, so slippery. As I say, nobody's ever going to sit there and go, I've really enjoyed that Huey Fury fight. I I just don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. I think that's why I like watching them, just because I know people get so frustrated. He's He's got a bit of that Harold Graham to him where... You admire the fact that he doesn't get hit very often, but you're like, no one's ever going to look good fighting you, and your fights are never going to be that entertaining. Yeah. Um, so, but but do do we think he's going to reach that? I don't know. Not with Hennessy. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to invest heavily in the lad because there's no reward in fighting him, and it's a big risk because anyone that's any good could lose on points to him. I don't think many decent fighters are going to get knocked out by him because... He just doesn't plant his feet often enough. He doesn't show the aggression. Even when he hurt Sexton last night and went in for the kill, after he'd hit that right hand, his first reaction was to pull back. And so he hits his beautiful right hand. Sexton's clearly hurt. But if you watch it in slow motion, the first thing Huey Fury does is then pulls back as if he's going to slip the next shot. That just sums it up. But, but he, <laughs> he then he then comes out of pulling back and goes in for the kill. But, but it just sums up Huey Fury in but, one very slow motion piece. My issue is this, and I, I say this all the time. I will never give a fighter a round, probably even the fight, if you don't show me control of middle ring at some point. And at no point did Huey Fury show control of middle ring. And why is that important? It's important because... I've never heard you say that. You said you say it all the time. I do. <laughs> I do. As you know, you said it when you walked in the door earlier. I was asking what drink you wanted. And you were like, I'll never give a fire. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, was, was, is, that your, is that your Muttley impression? <laughs> Terry, this is Michaela. Michaela, I will never give a fire. <laughs> It's a bit of a weird introduction. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 what, he yeah. says it all the time. <laughs> all right, all right. He's so hey, annoying. hey, hey! Fight talk, guys. You guys need a guest next week. <laughs> yeah, Martin. yeah. I haven't got a. Hey, hey, Sam, Craig. I haven't got a promotional deal. I haven't got a promotional deal. Hey, Sam, yeah. Craig. Terry will never give a fire. <laughs> Now, honestly, guys, good podcast. Hey, Andy, copy this, right? Loma Magic, Hennessy Tragic with Dan Aziz (laughs) and Body Shots. Who the fuck's Body Shots, Sam? (laughs) Sam's going to hear this and go, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry to uh, break that, uh, break your flow, Terry. Are you uh, wishing to carry on with that? No, I am, because what what I meant by controlling center ring is if you watch most of the greats, when they need to make a statement to the judges or to their opponent, they'll just hold the middle of the ring and they'll say, you need to now force me back onto the ropes. I dare you. Even Lomachenko was doing it to the far bigger man in Linares yeah. last night. Just saying, here, At times. I'm in middle ring and it's more efficient. You waste less energy. You have more opportunities to counter, actually, because the guy has to come and attack to move you backwards. But Huey just goes back. And when a judge sees that, oh, whatever. It's not, it's not exciting enough for you to engage in the minutiae of what's going on in the contest. Uh, are we finished with Huey Fury and Sam Sexton? Yeah. So then let's move on to Lomachenko-Lenares. Uh, I did actually watch this fight. 
I watched it on your <clears> recommendation <throat> this morning. I want a rematch. I pulled it up on um, Daily Motion. And, Always uh, good for fights. So YouTube it sucks. It was brilliant. You, such, such good quality. HD. Yeah. You, you can tell Daily Motion is French and has no respect for <laughs> anyone's IP. Um, so yeah, I, I watched it. It was a highly entertaining fight for it was me. Boring as shit. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Jesus. If that Christ. if that wasn't Lomachenko versus Linares, if that was Jumani Camaro against whoever, we'd have be been like, sat there wow. going, that wasn't entertaining. That was boring as fuck. I'm not having this. Boring as fuck. Uh, why? Because Linares looked like he hadn't had a proper camp for a start, right? He just he looked off. And this is even before like Lomachenko got the upper hand. He looked off. I think I talked about this in the last podcast where I just said, you know what, Linares is mentally weak and when it doesn't go his way, he starts to retreat back into his shell. But this time, it didn't look like he'd had a camp he believed in because I watched that fight and he was prepared for everything Lomachenko did. Where Lomachenko pivoted outside... Linares responded in kind, but it was just that tenth of a second too slow, which shows maybe you haven't really been drilling the stuff like you should have been. There were all these small elements that you could see Linares had prepared for, but just couldn't execute. <clears throat> and it wasn't because Lomachenko did anything clever. It just looked like he had a poor camp. And it looked like Lomachenko had, had the camp of his life, so give him credit for that. But those two guys are calculated risk takers. And they seem to forget that in this fight. This fight was far more technical than it needed to be for either of them. I, I think Lomachenko will look back on that and go, maybe I could have stopped him in five. Linares will look at that and go, fuck, if I'd hit him properly halfway through that six, maybe I'd have stopped him. But there was so much in that fight where I'm like, you lot, do it again. Get proper camps. Linares, learn to fucking punch more than twice in any exchange and come back and do it again. Because... I wasn't entertained by that. And those two should produce something far better. Oh, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. How could you not be entertained? I found it fascinating. It was, you could almost break the, the fight up into quarters. And so like the first three rounds, there was clearly an element of Lomachenko adapting, making sure that, you know, the power of a proper lightweight wasn't going to affect him too much. And by the end of that third round, you could start to see that he was gaining uh, a lot of confidence building momentum, starting to let his hands go a bit more, letting him down by his side a bit more. And then through four to six, you could see that he started to really build that momentum, like a train he was coming through. And at the end of the fifth round, they did that thing, you know, at the end of the round, ding, ding, ding. And Linares stands there and looks at him and he gave him that look of like, oh, fuck this. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was that kind of look. And I thought at that point, Linares was done. Because as you say, Linares has in the past, had like a bit of a weakness around um, around his mentalities. And then in that sixth, he drops him. And then from six to nine, you saw Linares not necessarily assert himself as he probably should have, but Lomachenko having to rebuild that confidence. So his hands went straight up at the beginning of the seventh. He's not letting the combinations go. He's not letting the three, four, five punch combinations go that he was doing through the kind of four to six range. And then by the end, it was, he'd started to get that momentum up again around the kind of end of the eighth, start of the ninth into the 10th. He'd really got that momentum going. And that combination that finished him, that, that shot right underneath the elbow onto the liver that, that finished. Now I've seen some people saying Linares could have, or like could have fought on. 
I'm not having that. Like, well, actually, I tried to text you, didn't I? Is, it, is that the off button that gets that you you both tout readily on the pod? Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, do you, have you ever suffered one of those? Yep. And can you explain what it feels like? You get hit, right? And you're like, shit. But I'm okay. Oh! It's so it's not it's not instant. So well, sometimes it is, but normally there's like a half second where you're like thinking, oh, what do I need to do next? And then your body just goes, no. You always <laughs> say Jamie Cox when he got hit the other week against John Ryder, he kind of carried on and then went down. Well, yeah. it's the same for the Lenares. Because it actually looked like he went down on a ghost punch to summit when you first see the Lenares yeah. knockout. Because Lomachenko. Well, I think he misses because Lenares is already going down. I think that's what it is, or something like that. But he just his fist goes, his right fist goes sort of over his head, and then Lenares goes down. And you think, wait a minute, he didn't even touch him. And then you see that body shot. So, so it just your body just goes, which just shut your legs just go, do they? No, your body. So, so remember, your I'll be clever about this. Like in terms of critical organs, like you, you've got two kidneys. So if you get hit in the kidneys, you've got another one. Your liver, you haven't. So that's why if you get hit in the liver area, your body just goes, do you know what? Fucking play dead, right? That's our only chance of survival. Getting that happen again is not going to be good for us. And I think it's the same, like they used to call it the heart punch. If you get hit hard enough in, you know, around, the, around your left pectoral, your body tends to shut down. There's certain areas where the body shuts down and it seems to be a survival mechanism. And that's one of them. You doesn't matter how many sit-ups you do. When you get caught in that sweet spot, you're sitting down for a bit. That was some combination he threw as well. It was just like but, head, 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 body. No, no, but and he just seemed is, to catch him out as much. So, so here, here, here's, here's really why the fight frustrated me. First half of the fight, a lot of what Lomachenko did wasn't landing clean, which is why he wasn't getting the reaction he did from Rigondeau, Walters, et al. Et al, that's the one, isn't it? Once Linares' confidence started to go when he didn't believe in the plan, he started to land a bit more. But even then, when Linares was hitting, he was having more effect than when Loma was hitting. This fight really broke down to who could get the outside angle. That's really what this fight broke down to. Had Linares fought for that outside angle, I think he could have thrown more of those straight rights. Because Lomachenko is not great at, you know, the the finer arts of defense he's got great feet and so forth but he rushes in especially when he thinks he's like super confident he rushes in in a straight line and all you need to do at that point is step off the center line and let the hand go leave the hand exactly where it is and he'll walk onto those shots <coughs> and there wasn't enough of that it's almost like if if i've been in lenaris's corner and i'm by no means ishmael salas who wasn't there because he'd been off getting paid by Hay rather handsomely. Mm. I would have just said, look, step back, step to your left, throw the straight right. Yeah. Once you've got that range, three punch combinations, right, left, right, uppercut, shoveling into the body like Lomachenko did. Because in an Orthodox versus Southpaw fight, that's the easiest punch to throw because both bodies are open for that attack. But he... <laughs> That's why I suspect there's nothing that went right in this camp because what I'm saying now is really basic stuff and this is stuff he should have known. But let's not take away from Lomachenko. Like, Jesus Christ, 126, 130, 135. Yeah? And he's won belts at all three weight classes and he hasn't had easy fights. 
is he a, is, is are we talking about the greatest boxer of all time? Fuck no. Because I am confident and the Twitterati will be like, oh, Terry's wrong. What does he know? Terry's wrong. Where's Anthony Fowler? What does he think about this? The Manny Pacquiao of the Morales trilogy, the Eric Morales of the Pacquiao trilogy, the one Manuel Marquez of that same era and the Barrera of that same era all beat Lomachenko. David Diaz at 135 beats Lomachenko. Shane Mosley at 135 beats Lomachenko. Floyd at 126, 130, 135 beats him. We just don't have guys who are seasoned anymore. Lomachenko beats people simply because he's a well-schooled boxer. And I mean well-schooled in all the, in his true rounded sense. But Linares has been around the clock. But look, everyone talks up Linares. We've had this conversation. I think we had it, we've had it after every Linares fight, haven't yeah. we? Well, I'm, I'm not like, saying he's yeah. elite. Well, well, I'm just like, he's, he's basically like Michel Barnier, right? He just loves fucking up Britain. That's all he did. He made a whole career out of just fucking up Britain. But look at how he struggled against Mitchell. The one British fighter he fought who can move, has a bit of skill, and has a, that X factor where he doesn't throw conventional punches. And he struggled until that 10th round. Input from Mr. Theobald in some sort of reaction to that? Ooh, he's moderating. Look at Andy. <laughs> Andy's moderating. I'm, just cu I'm curious because um, uh, Martin was nodding along with a, a sort of, a, a, at the very least, concerted expression of of concentration. So I couldn't figure if you were try if you were nodding in absorption or nodding in agreement. Neither really. I was just I don't know. <laughs> Stop me falling asleep, innit? <laughs> Knackered. Um No, I mean I find it fascinating watching Lomachenko. Last night you didn't see the pivots off that you normally see from him. So you're used to seeing that one, two, three punch combination and the pivot off to the right and then he'll throw another couple. You didn't see that with Linares last night or against Linares sorry. ah you know why Linares was banging those left hooks yes so he started throwing about halfway through he started doing it a real snidey little left hook that stopped him from being able to pivot out to the right every time so it was on the end of every Lomachenko combination it was the small left hook tiny one that he was just throwing that he didn't even land it all yeah. that often it was just it was almost like a, a stop like don't even bother trying to do that um, but I found it fascinating that You've got a man who's naturally a featherweight, and he is naturally a featherweight. He's not a lightweight by any means. Maybe a super feather at a push. Um, but he's stepping up, and you could see the difference, you know, the times he got into the clinch. But remember back to that Rigondeaux fight, every time Rigondeaux tried to clinch him horribly, and Lomachenko had worked on that slip where he'd put his hands up in the air, put his head forward just to, like, stop himself from getting nutted, and then just slide out of the clinch that Rigondeaux had put him in. And so... You watch his training methods, and he does a lot of um, a lot of wrestling, a lot of MMA training, doesn't he? Which you can clearly see that when he gets into a clinch with somebody, he's got I don't know endless ways that he can get him work his way out of it without the referee needing to to be involved. So you've got a guy who's naturally in Linares. I mean, what were there? It was over a stone difference when they went into the ring last night. So I think uh, Lomachenko had rehydrated to one three one. Linares had <laughs> Linares had rehydrated to about one four five, one four six or something. So it's over a stone difference. Wow. But every single time the clinch happened, you could still get out of it. Lomachenko still had a way that he could work his hands and so that he could punch his way out. 
I think that that level of training. There's a brilliant training video that went up of uh, Lomachenko and his team, and like the behind the scenes stuff. That if you get a chance to watch it, like it's <clears throat> it's just fascinating. His old man, who's his trainer, doesn't um, doesn't talk in it. He said he'll he'll talk in time. Like he just never gets interviewed now. But it was showing like they do all this um, circus training. So there's a lot of juggling, a lot of. Yeah. Um, walking on the hands, which you've seen the clips where he walks or like jumps on his hands over yeah. the ring. But there's all this like stuff that you know. I'd imagine it's probably the same as a Joe Gallagher gym. I'd imagine he's really forward thinking like that as well, <laughs> in, in a way. Um, <laughs> just not when it comes to making weight, <laughs> just making love. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I just I enjoy watching Lomachenko. Some of those combinations. He doesn't always throw with intent, but he throws to like pull the hands. He things that he's doing, he's doing with a thought process behind. You just don't see that all that often. So if he's punching up to the head, he's looking to bring those hands up. Just peppers, peppers, like five quick shots that aren't necessarily hurting. But as soon as he does it and it annoys you enough, then he'll go to the body straight away. But those hands are so quick when he does it. I think what's happened, (coughs) we're now seeing that these boxers are bringing the amateur work rate to the pros. Because traditionally it was, you can't throw as many punches as you throw in the amateurs and the pros. It's a 12-round business. You can't do it. But you're seeing now, you're seeing, look, you saw it with Joe Joyce against Lenroy Thomas, where he just filled the space with punches. That was like playing um, Wii Fit. You know, the boxing. Yeah. Well, you, uh, Wii Sports. <laughs> where you used to play the boxing on that. And like it was just you against your mum or whatever stood yeah. next to you. You just throw a million punches for like a minute. That's like watching Joe Joyce. And, and the thing is, I'm confident in saying he can do that for eight to ten rounds without dropping off. Well, he did against Ian Lewison. Yeah. So you've got this amateur thing. Joshua does it as well. We've talked about the Joshua surge before, where Joshua will do it, where he'll go four, four, four. Four rounds behind the jab, one, twos, and so forth. Keep it simple, hop in and out. And then he has four rounds where he really puts it on you. And you'll tend to find that's when he breaks most fighters. He'll just move up a gear, 30% more output. Which means he normally wins four rounds in a row at that point, or he's stopped you at that point. And then he's got the last four rounds where he'll try and conserve energy and coast his way to the end. But you're seeing this coming out of the amateurs where you're like, we need that work rate because these pro guys don't have the same punch output as you do. So a lot of pro trainers now are going to have to look at this and react and say, we'll pick a guy at random. Excuse me. Adrian Martin. I like Adrian Martin. So a guy like Adrian Martin might have to throw 40% more punches now. If he really wants to be world level, throw 40% more punches. They don't all have to be power shots. That way, you're leaving very little room to get countered unless someone has impeccable timing. And it's Britain. No one has impeccable timing. (laughs) So that's where we are. So I think Lomachenko's the vanguard of that. He's the high watermark of that. I can set a pace that you've never had before. Lenara struggled with the pace. If if only someone could match that pace. Like, remember in the old days, this happened with Pacquiao, right? Pacquiao just went for it and no one could live with Pacquiao's pace. That's why he was able to drop so many people because he's throwing six or seven punches. You think it's all over, you relax, bang, one on the chin. And then when the drug testing kicked in a little bit more, he didn't throw as many punches. Hey, he just relaxed. He was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I've done my work now. <laughs> Through the so, years. moving forward, uh, I, 
pick either one. Who moves forward and can, how do they move can forward? Can I just touch one last thing about the fight oh, itself? Yeah. You ever watched... Um, I think they were describing it last night. I can't remember which pundit said that Lomachenko... He was um, quoting somebody else saying that Lomachenko has the best feet in sport. Like, not just in boxing, oh, I, but I, in, in the any sport. The stream I got didn't have commentary, but they were focusing on his feet. I imagine was it that Mark this? Kriegel guy? I don't know. I don't know. Because they're American. They, they had Mark Kriegel, Tim Bradley, and one other. But they were talking, somebody else had said it. They were just re quoting yeah. it. Um, but have you ever watched the way that he bounces in and out of, of distance? Yeah. There were times when, with the Southpaw Orthodox um, situation, where. Lomachenko's got his right foot in front and then um, Linares is left. There were times when Lomachenko just brings that front foot forward, just steps. And he steps onto Linares' boot. So Linares can't move. And at that point, that's like a trigger. So like, it must be as soon as he feels that boot underneath his foot, he lets his hands go. Because then Linares can't get out because his foot's trapped underneath the boot of Lomachenko. <laughs> but I say, it must just be that innate trigger that he's done it so many times. He's probably got a little stamp in the gym or something underneath the punch bag that as soon as you feel it on the foot, that's it, the hands go. And you can see it, it, there, were, there were clips of it knocking about, but um, just where he pops in, stamps his foot down, lets his hand, and then gets back out. Wow. In which time Linares doesn't really know what's hit him, and he's clearly, you know, you're almost probably in panic, your body, that you're trying to move that left foot, but you can't. And you probably, like, you're then struggling because you're concentrating on your legs whilst you're getting punched by this little Ukrainian fella in the face. It's just, it's an interesting little insight um, to how, you know, the bottom half of the body is as important as the top. Um, a few things. Oscar de la Hoya's face annoys me. Why? I, I, do you know what? I Big love Oscar round De La Hoya. face with his cheesy smile and his little. How can you not like Oscar De La Hoya? How can you not love him, man? No, I mean I don't have an, I don't have a history. You know, Oscar De La Hoya is like, towards him like you he's guys just like, do. I'm, just saying, I'm happy for like Lina, Lina, Lina. My son's called Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> my son's called Oscar, right? No. You know, it was my, my favorite De La Hoya moment from the fight was when when the knockdown happened. What? And then he yeah. got up. Go- <laughs> that was the bit. I was he like, must have oh, been chinged off his head last night. <laughs> he must have been sourland allegedly. <laughs> no, 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 because he's got a history of it, so it's fine. Um, there's pictures of him in fishnet stockings and like all sorts. He's, he's got a storied background, Oscar. But I enjoy watching. He's a he's a ring legend, Oscar De La Hoya. And He's a character. To see him sitting there, like just having a great time ringside whilst his fight is in the ring, and they don't forget, like top rank and golden boy had to make this fight between the two of them. So give them credit for doing that because that's like Hearn and Warren putting their two best at any one weight division together. Just doesn't happen. Yeah. So give them credit for and, doing and, that, and, and give both guys credit for not trash talking and not calling anyone out. Just going, I want to fight Lomachenko. Yeah, I'll fight Linares. Yeah, and they did it on Twitter, not by going, "Ha ha, Terry, you're a dick." They just went. Ha, 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 Terry, do you want to fight? Yeah, all right, I'll fight. Brilliant, done. Amazing. Um, what happens to Lomachenko next? Uh, Ray Beltran, I imagine. So there'll be a unification fight with Beltran. Uh, I imagine Mikey Garcia will fight Robert Easter Jr. on the other side. And then we'll... They're scheduled, s- apparently, now. Yeah. So we'll see if there's a fight for all of the belts. Uh, Linares? Whatever he wants. Like, Linares is still box office. Like, Martin's not as effusive of him now that he's not UK-based as he was before when he was willing to, you know... I love Linares. There you go. I'm a big (laughs) fan of Linares. But I don't know where he goes I quite Um, like watching him get spanked last night. Someone like Richard Comey. I think Richard Comey would be a great fight for him. Richard Comey's in line for... I'm not saying for Linares. I'm just saying that that would be a great fight. 
Richard Comey's in line to fight for a world title, but he's going to be held up behind all the traffic that's going on. All wrong. Oh, I mean, Comey's all wrong for Linares. No, I agree, but for Comey, like, stepping up. Headbutts. Linares would be in pieces after four rounds. (laughs) He'd be shredded. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do they call it? Like, paper mache skin. So, I meant to ask you, uh, Terry, which was, I think it was about. I think it was the uh, the middle of the 6th to 7th round or the 56th round. Linares had a cut open up over his left eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cut man, right? I'm assuming it's the cut man in, in the ring. So Linares is sitting there and he just, for whatever reason, there's people sticking their head in the ring like... God, like, well done, mate. Like, patting Linares on the head. There was a lot of shaking chaos his in that head corner. around, right? At this point, the cut man is trying to get... is holding a cotton bud, yeah. right? On this... Um, trying to get it onto this... What is... Looks, at least, yeah. the width of a paper cut. And he's... And it is something reminiscent of, like, Team America, where she's trying to put her finger on his lips. And for those of you who haven't seen it... It's like it's almost like some sort of fairground game where you've got to tr- where the, the target's moving and you've got to put um, something onto it and the, the directions are moved around or something like that. It, it was a mess. His hand was all over the place. He finally gets the cotton wool but onto his head, holds it there for about two seconds. Another hand comes in, shakes the head about, the cotton wool ball f- falls off, and then all the blood starts coming out. It, but but that time it's taken about. 30 seconds, seconds. and he's got to go back into the ring. He stands up and he starts bleeding again. So that corner was chaos. And this is what I mean about this camp doesn't feel right because it was utter chaos in that corner. Lomachenko's corner, one voice. One voice, everything's like a pit stop. Everyone knows their job in that corner. So Lomachenko's just getting advice. Listen, don't worry about it, yeah? This is comfortable for you. Just get back to your boxing. Don't be careless. Keep your head off the center line. Bang. Linares. Ah! Ah! And the thing is, fighters hate that in corners because, and I remember talking to, ah, fuck it, I'll say it. I remember talking to Isaac Chamberlain about this. And he was like, I want a calm, authoritative voice in my corner. I don't need all the manic energy because then I feed into that. So you need that. And I don't think Linares had that where... Maybe if he'd have had it with Salas, don't know. But we but. mentioned it, you know, Salas, since he's been with Salas, he's been on a 14 or 15 fight winning yeah. streak. His last loss came before he came with Salas. Joins him, gets a 14, 15 fight Sergio winning Sergio Thompson, 2012. Yes, and then loses on the first fight without Salas. Now, of course, that's Lomachenko, so there's always a chance he could have lost it with Salas. But Salas could have been that authority, could have been that everyone shut the fuck up, I'm talking, you do the cut, you hydrate him, that's it. Like, nobody else needs to be doing anything. But instead, Salas is out working with Roxana Begum, the little kickboxing thing that's in the hay gym. <laughs> she, you know, he's working with Hay in the build-up for that Bellew fight. Wh- Whatever. Where's Mark Ben and Page? Oh, God knows. God knows. <sighs> I'm missing. <laughs> but, you know, whatever Hay and that have paid him, I'd imagine Linares is waking up this morning thinking, I wish I'd have just put another you know, X amount on top of it or stayed in that hay gym and done some work from there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, let's move on. Still want the rematch though. I wouldn't be adverse to the rematch, but I would prefer the Beltran and then aiming for all four, you know, coming together in some way. Early this week, Hearn announces his $1 billion, is it dollar or pounds? Dollar. Dollar, Dr. Evil style, 
Dazone? Day Zone? The Zone. I mean, it's spelled D A Z N, which I presume is an acronym of some sort. The Zone. No, so, it's, no, it's, it's not. The Zone. It's not. You're right. You would assume it's an acronym <laughs> of some sort, but instead it's spelled D A Z N, but pronounced Da Zone. Which, Although, when you're hearing somebody who's Eddie Hearn, who's approaching 40, little wide boy from Essex, going Da Zone. It's like, oh, mate, you're not 18. And so it sounds terrible the bloke, from the offset. I, I, the, the announcement, the bloke came across quite well. He said that at the moment, in Japan, for example, they show everything. And if, for example... Wait a minute, let the, before you go too far into this, sorry, sorry. Pos- we haven't actually said what it is. Right, okay, yeah. So um, Dazone are uh, an exclusively online streamer of sporting content. Is it exclusively no, no. sport? No, they're, they're not an exclusively online streamer because they have certain issues in Canada. So in Canada, they partner with cable companies to distribute their content. Right, so they're not Just exclusively. No, they're not. Right, well, it was a statement come question. But so, okay, so, but it's a $1 billion deal with this Dazone to broadcast boxing, boxing matches within the U.S., is that right? Through matchroom boxing. 16 in the US, 16 in the UK. So the, the product <clears throat> that they launched is that the zone already exists elsewhere, as you say, in uh, Germany, Germany, in Japan, Japan, in Canada, various places. So this was the launch for America, but the actual launch for America is going to be in June. That's right, yeah. But Hearn, I think this information started to leak out during the week, maybe two weeks ahead. So... Hearn had said a while back, I've got this announcement that's going to shake up the entire industry. And then people started to speculate and then information got out. So they've kind of announced it early May. While DAZN won't be launching their actual product in America until June sometime. Yeah, Craig Scott fucked up <coughs> the whole thing. <laughs> it was Craig. <laughs> um, so what it is, is it's... Uh, they describe it as an OTT or over the top um, product. So if you've got a Google Chromecast, if you've got a Amazon Fire Stick, although I don't believe it actually works on a Fire Stick at the moment, you get an app that sits over the top of right. Google Chromecast called DAZONE. And you load that and you buy a subscription for $10 a month and you get DAZONE. So if you're in America, they'll presumably be working on the, the rights packages to NFL, the Premier League baseball, ice hockey. I don't know at the moment, and they haven't said what those rights packages are, but the first one they've come out with is boxing. So this is their like <clears throat> their premature launch almost, is that they're going to fund with $1 billion, um, 16 shows per year for eight years in the US. So that's what their $1 billion goes towards. If you subscribe to DAZN in the uh, US, you also get... 16 shows from the UK. So you get 32 shows throughout the course of a year on your DAZN over-the-top app right. that sits on your product that you've already got. So that's what it is. I stopped you earlier saying so. I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, no, I think well, anything I was going to say, you've, you've probably encompassed anyway. Uh, but they, they, part of the draw for this DAZN is the fact that they've got l- lower subscription fees than like if you pay for Sky in the UK. Like were it were it 
available in the UK, that would be part so, of their spiel, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a Netflix model. So yeah. if you buy Netflix, I don't know what it is, 12 quid a month maybe? Yeah, something like or that. Or Sky Movies. Well, I think it's less than that, but yeah. Sky yeah, Movies exactly, is like yeah. 25 quid a month. Then you've got to get Sky One so you get the entertainment. And that comes to like 35 quid, 40 quid a month, whatever. So yeah, instead of that, you get Netflix and you get movies, entertainment, And he quoted that in the press conference, didn't he? He <clears> said that, we think the sport is going to go the same way as everything else has gone Makes sense. online. So, yeah. so, so here's my thing. Deals of this size don't get done by Eddie Hearn. Deals of this size don't get done by Barry Hearn, right? They, they, don't, they don't play in that game. When you talk about a deal that big, one billionaire talks to another billionaire. Like from experience, from having been with these deals, they talk... And it cascades down on either side. And it's like, you fuckers make it happen. I have a feeling Rupert Murdoch and Len Batavnik, whatever his name is, have had a chat. So Len Batavnik is the owner of Platform, which is the parent company to the zone. Yeah. So they'll have a chat and he will say, we're doing this zone thing. It's going to fuck up Sky Sports. Murdoch's like, nah, that's impossible. Look, look how big we are. Murdoch then goes to his guys and goes, what are these guys doing? What's the risk? What's the opportunity? What's the tech platform? Can we replicate this? Uh, we've got Sky Go, but you need a Sky subscription for this to work. So we can't broaden that out. Well, what would it take to broaden it out? About 500 million. Have to migrate customers over. Massive reputational risk. And we'd have to do it for Europe, possibly. So at this point, you're there going... Half a billion, and it's about half a billion to change a tech stack for someone like Sky because it's unbelievably complex. So you say to Len, you go, listen, Len, we're going to put money into you. Yeah? We're going to put money into you because you might be the future because this Len Batavnik guy doesn't want to be a media company. Regulation, all that bollocks. He wants to make enough noise to double or triple what he's put into it. And I'm sure they agreed at some point we'll buy you if this concept works. If your brand fucks up, we'll just use the technology and call it Sky. I imagine that's really what this deal is about because two things are true. Sky have overpaid for the football and they, they shit themselves that some like Amazon or Netflix, one of these OTT platforms, will also bid and start chipping away. So you can't... Amazon are bigger than you. Google are bigger than you. This perform group are not bigger than you. Put some money in. Right. What do you get out of it? Da, 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 da. Who's our biggest mouth on Sky? Hearn. Stick him in there. You got a boxing deal. The rest will likely follow as the rights come up. This is not a Hearn deal. This, this, the deal of this size, this is Sky basically, or News International going, this is our bet on the future. ESPN have done it with ESPN Plus, and they're trying to do the same thing. So it's like, look, we'll put the money in so we don't scare our Sky customers because we don't want them just sacking off their subscription account and can get it for cheaper. And we'll see how this works. If it hits its performance marks, we'll buy them for $10 billion or whatever it is. Okay, so the, what are the implications of this deal then? What, what, what does it mean? So what's the short-term implication? So when they launch this in June, it means that Hearn... We'll, we'll go with the story for now, all right? And then we'll pull the story <laughs> apart later. It means that Hearn on face value has $1 billion as a war chest. Wow. As a war chest, <laughs> That's right? That's definitely true. Over eight years um, wow. to put together 16 cards per year. Let's take it at face value, right? That's what it is. So, I mean, what's that work out as? I've 
the maths fail me, but it's something like eight million dollars per show or something. I can't remember what the I read it somewhere. It's, um, oh, right. oh right, okay. Oh, because it's thirty-two shows. Eight, uh, sixteen shows. Oh, sixteen shows. Sorry. So right. the money doesn't necessarily feed into the UK shows, although how do you know if it's ring fenced or not? I don't know. Um, but if you assume it's all for the UK, uh, sorry, the US shows, what does it mean? It means that if you're any fighter out there, you would want to be talking to Eddie Hearn because he's now got more money than, say, the PBC had to put together. Um, whether that works out the same per year as an aggregate, I don't know. <clears throat> but the PBC stuff has slowed down from where it started. You would, if you're an American fighter, if you're that top level, if you're a Charlo brother, if you're a Wilder, you would be stupid not to consider going and talking to her so and signing up. Going but, back to that money, let's, let's pause. Can I, well, I, I just just before you pull it apart, which mm. inevitably will do. Oh, like wow. eight, what is eight million in the scheme of boxing? Because it's a hard. If it's just a number, and, you hear my, and when it comes to say football, which is more prominent in the conscious, you hear numbers like that all the time, and larger, larger numbers. What is that per show in the grand scheme of things? That's huge. That's that's putting on shows like, I'm trying to think, like if Kel Brook fought Amir Khan, right? That's what you would do if you didn't do pay-per-view. Do you see what I mean? That, that would be your budget for an Amir khan Kel Brook show if there was no pay-per-view. So you're saying to Khan and Brook, there you go. We'll give you two and a half mil each, whatever. Then you got an undercard. Then you got your production costs on top of that. So without pay-per-view... You're looking at those sorts of fights. The PBC do it that way. So I'm so just running through it. It's 128 shows over eight years, by the way. Just run out of it. So, oh. yeah. so that's, what, that's the risk you're carrying is you... Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Hearn can run a show now without pay-per-view for well under 8 million in the UK. You go over to America with this nominal war chest. What you do immediately is you inflate the value of every boxer in the US. You know, in the same way that when Man City got that money, they were buying shit for, for tens of millions. They were buying absolutely... Andy Bayor. Yeah. Andy Bayor, Colo Toure. Spurs legend. Spurs <laughs> 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 Always the way, isn't it? They love our leftovers. It's all good. But so you end up with... fourth position. Well, you know. You remember when you used to laugh at Arsenal fans for loving fourth position? Hey, it's Champions yeah. League. Ah, there you go. Where did you end up this year anyway? I didn't actually see it. Well, we, got, we got to no, the end of the no. season. Well, what's wrong with that? They, they you just, got to the end of the season, didn't you? We all did. So why is everyone upset? We got to the end of the season. Well, you yeah. sealed sixth place with that win over Burnley, didn't you? Oh, gives a fuck. I hope, hopefully <laughs> not. But you've massively inflated the market for boxers now. And I know Hearn says we'll run it on this basis. Al Heyman thought that as well. There's a cost of doing business in America. The PBC model moved it from the kind of level it was when Aaron was in control and they inflated it. It's never gone down and now Hearn's going to come in and inflate it again. So who, who knows where you're going with this? But I'm still confused about a number of things. Number one, if you're going to broadcast the Sky fights on zone, where's Sky's money? So Sky have to be involved in this deal because Sky already market their rights internationally, right? <clears throat> so... There has to be Sky money in this. Otherwise, you'd be like, well, hold on, Eddie. Gonna, <laughs> You've given what? <laughs> we're going to let you go to America and go and do 16 shows. 
And you're going to make us pay for them over here when we made you. Bollocks to that. So Sky are all over this. So, I, I imagine, like I said... Sky but, will get the 16 shows from America in return, don't they? So if you're a Sky subscriber, you get the additional 16 shows as part of your package. But Sky must be selling the international rights to the yeah, zone. Yeah, so so everyone's in this. This this idea that this is a Hearn masterstroke isn't true. Like I said, someone up here said, you fuckers make it happen. Why? Because I've had those emails <laughs> where you read the email chain and you're like, oh, when did this happen? And I bet I imagine... I yeah, imagine- it's probably the snowball effect, isn't it? It's yeah. like when I was in the army, you'd, uh, you'd come to sort of like, I don't know, back end of August, September time, and a general's visit or something. Nice. And they walks through camp and uh, it's clean. And, it, and there's all the litter's been taken away. And he goes, hmm, these leaves don't look very tidy, do they? Eventually, it comes down six chains of command. It's like, the general has deemed the leaves are trash. <laughs> so we have to... Yeah. And you go outside and you collect seven million bags of leaves. And that's because somebody made a passing comment about the leaves. There's fucking mortars falling all around you. <laughs> Oh, well, well, lads, let's get oh. the leaves. Yeah, so, so don't be surprised if one of the Murdochs was talking to Len. You know, they, they all go to these fancy events, don't they? And it's like, yeah, no, no, that whole sky, that satellite shit's Right, dead. so to what degree then is Eddie Hearn there? How, does he have the keys to this? He's there for, he, he's he, the one that's been let loose with the cash. He's though, there right? to execute. But right. I imagine there'll be sign-offs. There'll be budgetary sign-offs. And... There'll be a Sky budgetary sign-off. There'll be a DAZN budgetary sign-off. I think it's James... I should know, he's my fucking contact on LinkedIn. Shit. How embarrassing. <laughs> what was I know. Well, well, he what was. do you think about yeah, that? Was. I was like, pros and cons of this deal happening. Do you want to Can do I just touch cons? on two more things quickly? So, yeah. like, two strands <clears throat> that probably need discussing about. One is that um, this DAZN, uh, one of the principles of what they want to achieve out of it, say it's $10 per month, is that there will be no more pay-per-views. Like, no fights will be pay-per-view in the US. So what Hearn was talking about is that if you're a US uh, viewer, you're paying $99, like, for a pay-per-view fight. Which is insane. On top of your monthly subscriptions of, like, $50 a month or whatever for a sporting channel. So what he's saying is, look, this will kill that in that everything will just be on your $10 per month or $15, whatever they call it. Irrespective if it's 15 or 10, it's so much cheaper than just one pay-per-view. That must be um, some way to stopping piracy just because it's such a small amount of money. Yeah, but if you can guarantee a good stream. Um, which, which is a big if. Which is a big if. Right, okay. Can anyone, anyone guarantee a, a good streaming service well, if you've got millions of customers? They had issues, what they, I, they had issues I, I, in I, Canada. That's the problem. So, so here's an example. Is that not just remote areas and stuff like that? Though? No, no. Is it moose? No. So, Too many moose? So let's say you've got half a million customers and your platform works well. You suddenly go, right. Because this is, they had an issue with this. Because they, they did McGregor versus Mayweather in a number of countries. So you've gone from, here's our capacity right now. We're running at 220% of capacity. Your servers start to shake. Or everything in your system will start to shake at this point. And then that's when you get the outages and stuff like that. So they're going to have to really stress test their product to go, if we have a Joshua Wilder fight on the zone and we've got 100 million people watching, can we cope? Don't know yet. I'd like to see in 10 years time, maybe it's going to be less than that. What's the BBC going to be finally showing if 
Sky have had all of their stuff taken away by online platforms. So they stripped the BBC and Channel 4 of horse racing and snooker. <laughs> what are the BBC going to be showing on their sports? <laughs> they won't. They don't show anything now, do they? Yeah, they show snooker. The zone model essentially is the embryonic Sky model. It's we're going to take everything. And once we've got all the sports rights locked down and we've got a 10-year window on that, we can whack up the prices. That's the real end game here. The end game is to get 50% of global sports fans locked into this platform. Then you're like, well, I know it was $9.99 a month, but you know, we're giving you great content. We're giving you all the sport you want, anytime you want. It's now $15.99 a month. And by then you've got nowhere else to go, right? But even then, like you'd think most customers, you know, if someone said to me, and I'm I'm great at streaming stuff, I'm really good at it. <laughs> you are, but you if are someone, pretty good. If there was gold medals for that, you'd, yeah, yeah. you'd cleaned up. But if someone said to me, right, here's the example, um, IPTV, which is something I've only just recently discovered. So internet <laughs> protocol television. So there's a company um, that I'd uh, had a couple of messages with that uh, Smooth Hosting. So speak with Smooth Hosting if you want to look into this. They're on Twitter. So they basically give you some stuff to add on to a fire stick. And this costs me, I won't give away the amounts because I'm sure they've got a business model they don't want to give away the costing of. But it's not a huge amount at all. It's like really not a huge amount. You load it onto your fire stick and then you can sit and just watch sport. I'm talking like three o'clock kickoffs. All the stuff you would stream, but you don't go through the streaming process. It's just like having it on TV and it's high definition. I watch like Hey Bell You. I've watched so much football off of it. All this stuff. They're like I've I've made my money's worth within a couple of weeks. It's it's perfect. If someone said to me that like you can get all of that content legitimately for ten pound a month, I'd pay it. You would. Of and course I would. Like if the, if you could say it's it's a definite platform that will work for ten pound a month. And then if it went up to £15 a month, I would still remember the days when I was paying Sky £60 a month and I still didn't get all of the content. I still didn't get all the Premier League. I didn't get all of the overseas football. So if it went from 10 to 15 to 20, you know, in five, six years' time, I'd still, you know, I wouldn't be adverse to paying that. I don't, I'm not adverse to no. paying for Sky until I start but having it, to then pay per view and stuff like that but, but you, but, you but, pay no, for Sky you don't, yeah. you don't get all the Premier League you don't get the Champions League but, no, you get some boxing but, but, but the more and more that gets chipped into the more and more I begrudge paying yeah. it yeah. so here's my thing so go on IPTV we're going to move from traditional broadcasters competing to OTT platforms competing that's all we're going to move to and the race at the moment is who can secure the dominant position who can get the best rights package exactly the, 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 you'd put money on ESPN mainly because they will have the right sewn up in the US for stuff like the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA. They, they, they've got that war chest because they're backed by Disney. These rights are a rolling thing. So ultimately, doesn't it boil down to who has the biggest war chest when the rights come up? Yes, exactly. But I think the NFL is good for a few years. Like they, they locked that down for a while. Um, MLB is locked down. So it's the no one, what I'm trying to get at is no one will be able to ever lock it in and say we've got them forever. No, fifty <clears> quid a month. Maybe if you make the right bid, why wouldn't you? Competition market. If you just said right, NBA, we'll offer you a twenty-year deal. 
and we'll offer it at 5 billion a year. We'll adjust it for inflation or whatever multiple you want. And we'll do that for 20 years. See, I can, ima- I can believe that happened in the U- US. Yeah. Like, but in the UK, it's, it's different, is it not? Like, they're only doing it on three, year, three years rolling, don't they? Or yeah. Something like that? Anyway, okay. Right. The other thing, so I said earlier there were two strands. The other part Sorry, yes, was the Joshua element. Joshua isn't part of this DAZN subscription. So if you're paying your $10 a month for the matchroom product, you're not necessarily getting Joshua. Well, it was this part of the thing? It's like, and everything, brilliant. Well, well done, everyone. Oh, can I just say, yeah, Joshua's not included. Yeah. Was it just that? Was that like a star at the bottom of the contract? or what, what, what? But let me ask you a question. If you're Sky and you're like, yeah, this whole online TV thing, great. Don't know if we want to give up our cash cow just yet because we don't know if this is going to give us the money we want. Hey, AJ, sit down, mate. No, 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 you don't need to be part of that. You're all right where you are. I imagine, that, and it goes back to what we've been saying for months now, AJ's not a matchroom fighter. He's a sky fighter. That's that, you know, and it's becoming more and more apparent. You have AJ with his own TV deals, seemingly, over in America with HBO. You have AJ with his own personal StubHub sponsorships outside of the matchroom one. You now have AJ sitting outside of the zone. And he is something that you can sell individually in America to the highest bidder or to HBO. I don't know how it's going to work. He is not a matchroom fighter at all. He is an Anthony Joshua fighter who is given the commercial support of a matchroom. Yeah. Um, Pros and cons of this happening? Have we really covered that? Um, There's more money in the sport. So boxers will get paid a bit more. Uh, I don't think it changes much in the UK, to be honest with you. Uh, there isn't the talent here that Hearn doesn't already have, if you see what I mean. Like, Billy Joe comes with too much baggage. Tyson comes with too much baggage, especially if you're looking at you know the, these sorts of corporate partnerships. Does it improve the sport of boxing? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does, right? And I say that because, look, I don't give a fuck if out of all this billion, I genuinely don't care if Eddie Hearn walks away with 200 million profit and he's one of the richest men to come out of boxing. If he does that, and in the process, makes sure the other 800 million somehow gets fed into the sport, and fed into the boxers, and more boxers are able to leave the sport with a better lifestyle and a better pension plan, nobody should be complaining about that. Nobody. And as much as we might criticise Hearn, and I, I don't get the hate of like him earning money out of this. Of course he's earning money out of it. It's his job. He's given up the time of his family over in Essex to spend two weeks a month over in the US. Of course he's earning money out of it. And I hope he earns well out of it. But I hope all those boxers earn well out of it. And there's so much money now out of this that if we take that billion at face value, could flood into the sport that will allow people to make a living out of it. Like the next generation as well. So the ones that are coming up through the Olympics, the next Olympic cycle. Now, it's interesting, boxing isn't even definitely in the next Olympics because of how badly Aiba have been run and how corrupt they've been over time. And so the IOC is still taking a view on whether boxing will be in the next Olympics. If it isn't, and you're an American potential Olympian right now... Austin Williams, big shout out. You must be sat there going, well, why am I even bothering with the Olympics? Like, Hearn's just landed here with a billion dollars. Like, look what he does with Olympians in the UK. 
I might as well just fuck this off. And like, if there's still a question mark over whether we're even going to be able to compete in the sport, why am I even bothering? Like, but, there must be some that are just but, debating but, but let's, 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 let's also be clear that the matchroom model works here because he's the only guy paying. And he's definitely the only guy paying on time and not in installments. Don't know who else is doing what, just saying. He goes over to America. De La Hoya's got that whole Mexican thing nailed, right? That's almost immovable. In the absence of large amounts of money, that's immovable. That Heyman stable is pretty much immovable because I know they don't have promotional deals with Heyman, but he'll still be the advisor, so there's still going to be issues there. Aram's got his deal with ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. He's going to want to defend that with his, all his might. And he look, he's got guys like Lomachenko in there. So Hearn won't be able to just walk into the US, flash a checkbook and sign guys. It doesn't work that way. He's going to have to establish that his model works. The very real risk is that we end up with a horrible mix of Kel Brook against nobody, you know, James DeGale against nobody, and then just a shitload of whatever you want to describe it as, next-gen fights. And he will try and sell America the best of British prospects. He might even do some really corny GB versus USA type situations. But he will also realise, more importantly, if he thinks British fans are horrible, wait till Hearn has to face scrutiny from the American fans. And he will realise very quickly that we're far more accepting of his bullshit than they are. Wouldn't you just love it if he had 900 million at the end of it? <laughs> you weren't going to buy you. You're not going to go for that. <laughs> okay, we are almost done. Uh, Joshua Wilder update. Is, is, it, is it possible that we, are, we have progressed beyond boxing to a stage where fighters actually, it's like a non-contact sport or they just do everything exclusively See who's got Twitter. the better, better social media yeah. accounts. <laughs> Get some points win. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so frustrating that, I, well, I tell you what, what updates do we have? All right, we'll give you the quick updates. Uh, Joshua posted on Instagram the other day a picture of him sat with his belts on the... Uh, what was Terry doing? <laughs> I think that is reflective of his... His desire to speak about this. So yeah, yeah. Joshua put up a photo on Disinterest. Instagram. Disinterest. Him sat on, sat on the edge of the ring with his belts and it just said, we belt collecting. So WBC being the oh hit. yeah I saw that actually yeah. um, and then he did a, an interview with um, the guys at Pep Talk so Shaz and, and the like shout out to them for getting it an interview in the car um, where <laughs> Terry's <laughs> just tossing it off oh, uh, literally fucking hell um, <laughs> where he said that he's in camp and he's basically they're working on the finer details of the fight and he's in camp and is preparing for Deontay Wilder. No, 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 that's not what he oh, said. Terry's finished his no, no, no. Amir Khan Skype call, oh, and he's back. Nice. I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm combining that. Sorry, with his Snapchat. I think we put up about researching and he studying, put up, studying, and he put up Deontay Wilder against Luis D Ortiz. Don't be surprised if he fights Ortiz. That's what I'm trying to say to people. Like, well, he might going, be studying. <laughs> yeah, well, that guy's going to fight Wilder. I'm like, mate, he's going to fight Ortiz. So, that's who he's going to fight because. Remember when he said it's 95% done? So when the pep talk thing came, I said, well, okay, are we, are we any higher than 95%? Because from what I gather, Joshua said it's not about the money. Barry Hearn said it is about the money. 
Now, Eddie Hearn's saying it's not about the money. It's about where it happens. So I'm like, okay, so... It's not about the money. I've got a billion, you mug. This is Hearn's view. It makes more money in America, but so what? (laughs) And I'm like, hold on. They gave you the money you wanted in America. You want to have the fight over here. Give Wilder the money he was expecting to get. If Eddie Hearn said, look, Wilder, we know you gave the 50 million, crossed it off the list. You come over here. We will give you what you were expecting to get. If that's 25 million, cool. We will give you that. Yeah? If it means Joshua goes home with 5 million, so be it. But we will give you that money for you to come over here. But that won't happen either. So you're going to end up with this really shitty Cold War. And like I keep saying, this fight's not going to happen. Whatever. Or this year. If it doesn't happen this year, when can it happen? The mandatories are just going to pile up next year. Then everyone's got an excuse. This is the one clear year. Like Wilder said in an interview, I don't have a mandatory for another year. I cleared the decks so this fight can happen. Why is Joshua taking so long? And that's the question we should be asking. Wilder's not the holdup here. Wilder will fight Joshua for 10 million. We know that. What's Joshua's holdup? For the record, I think it will happen. I think it will happen this year. Um, okay, so uh, World Boxing Super Series announcement, but I don't know what it is. So, tell me what it is. <laughs> is it a new weight division? So, they've gone with the Bantam weights it... for next year. So, they've signed oh, up Zolani Tete. They've signed up Ryan Burnett. They've signed up uh, the geezer that beat up Paul Butler the Sponsored other week. Sponsored by Adult Pampers. Rodriguez, yeah. <laughs> um, so, those three are in. And then the winner of Nayu Inoue, Jamie McDonnell, is heavily rumoured to be in. Just put both in, for fuck's sake. Yeah, exactly. I think, why would you bother? Yeah, just put them both. Put Gavin in as well. And Jamie picks Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great drama. Every, like, make Jamie like fourth seed, right? I've been beating that little fucking prick up since we were four years old. That would be the best <laughs> thing in boxing this year. If they, if they seeded Jamie McDonnell fourth, right? And everyone's picked. And it's just those two. <laughs> and Dave Caldwell sat there going, oh. And not only that, but they, they go to commercial break. <laughs> so you all have to, they have to wait for three minutes to make the selection. That'd be fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, that's the, uh, they're going to do three weight categories this time round. And it's strongly rumoured it will be super lightweight. So light mid, uh, yeah, light middle. So Josh Taylor's weight. And it will be light heavyweight, apparently. Um, we will see but it's definitely going to be three weight categories that means Taylor can't fight in June then right no he's still fighting because if the thing if the thing starts in September yeah. fucking hell alright <laughs> they're brave isn't they with him it's uh, look they need that money I was going to say if anyone needs that money <laughs> by all accounts if they're not doing a pyramid scheme then uh, cyclone sorry Peter I need this to give to Paul <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me shoot you. <laughs> Look, do you know what? Like, the problem with this announcement for me was they've ballsed up the very thing that was making the Super World Boxer Super Series brilliant, which is the Super Mid Final. Let's be absolutely clear the Super Middleweight subsidized the cruiserweights in this. I, I love the idea that we're going to get one cruiserweight champion. Great. But I- the day after the fight, I won't give two shits. But Groves against Smith, I was like, all right, let's see this. And then let's see what happens afterwards. If Groves isn't going to make it and Eubank Jr. steps in, uh, exactly. It's, uh, it's completely discredited. Yeah. The only way they can drag that back is not Eubank, but they get DeGale yep. or... Another champion. 
Yeah, so the Gale is the obvious one because look, we're looking forward to an all-British final, right? Of Groves versus Callum Smith. Now, if you can't get that, give us the Gale versus Callum Smith because the mm. Gale's had long enough out. He could fight, you know, back end of July if they've given him <laughs> given him enough notice. Depends where he's been and what he's been up yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say about the uh, the notice. James, um, James, James. What about those World Boxing Super Series, James? We only need two weeks in camp, James. All right, James. <laughs> James, beautiful, beautiful, Before beautiful, James. Fire, James. Beautiful. Um, so that would be the only way for me. If they can't string it out to allow Groves in, then you have to get the Gale. The Gale, or what's the kid's name? It Benavides. I just want to see Smith get beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do because you know we're going to end up in a position where we're in 26, 2018 and Callum Smith has never fought a former or current world champion. <laughs> and he'll champion. be the World Boxing Super Series champion. He'll win the Ali Trophy <laughs> having beaten a kickboxer and the guy that lost to Groves easily. It'll be, do you see why it's, it's so discredited that they need to shore this up. Like in terms of an it perception thing, they need to shore this up before they start announcing other divisions. Putting 118 first was good. Because you buy credibility back by going, that's quite a deep tournament. But Jesus Christ, they're fucked. I don't want to watch it next year. Because now I'm like, this is just an absolute shambles. I don't really want to watch it next year as things stand. Okay. Um, Warrington versus Selby is our only preview. Cardiff, Leeds, football hooligans in Leeds, pissed up, fight. I'm looking forward to the violence in the crowd. (laughs) Don't care about anything else. (laughs) Agree. Agree completely. Like... (laughs) Quickest preview. All, all I would ever. say is that I'm I... looking forward to the violence in the crowd, <laughs> said Chapandama. No, because it's a, a agree. Sh- said no, no one's thought this through. The football season is over, but no one travels to follow Lee Selby anyway. He's got yeah. about eight fans. Yeah, look, the football season is over. Do you imagine you're a Cardiff hooligan going, I don't fucking like Leeds. Every time we go up there, there's such a heavy police presence. But then we have police at this boxing thing. Just a few fat guys in man t-shirts. <laughs> Let's just show up. They've seen Warren's security. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Wouldn't you just show up? If you're a hooligan, forget Lee Selby. Just show up. Like those Reading guys did for a senior yeah, bike field. Yeah. We saw what happened at the copper box. <laughs> yes. I expect that to happen. Like, I was up in Leeds this week. So I've been talking to a few guys. And no one's going because they sense this is what's going to happen. So you've got the Kaiser Chiefs. The main support to this is the Kaiser Chiefs. And actually, I'm all right. No, I'm all right with this. Like You'd go up for that. What, no, no. I, not in terms of I love the Kaiser Chiefs. I just mean that at least Warren's taken a bit of a, a, a different way of thinking. He just happens to have picked a shit band to do it with. But he's the <laughs> Twisted Echo Busy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, Mike. Touche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So no, Warrington's Leeds born and bred. He comes out to, I predict, to riot. So they're getting, um, what does he come out to? I don't know. Don't care. I don't like him. But they're getting the Kaiser Chiefs to perform just before he comes out and maybe do his ring walk for him. I'm not sure. Um, for what? For him? He's not, he's not going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> just like Ricky Geezer. <laughs> he's just being a shadow boxing in his room going, no, this is enough. <laughs> um, so no, I praise Warren for that, actually. I think that's okay. Because you see it in Germany quite a lot. The band's performing live yeah. to do ring walks I really like that so yeah. I'd be interested to see how it works um, as for the fight itself I, I can't stand watching Josh Warrington I can't stand it he's one paced one dimensional that pace is quick but 
there's very little thought process that goes into it. For Lee Selby, there's almost too much thought process that goes into it without having the power. It doesn't really interest me, but I'll probably watch it if I'm around Saturday night. IPTV. IPTV, baby. Um, okay, so get on to some questions. David Lincoln, I want to give you a bit of a shout-out because we've definitely covered this. He asked, uh, do you guys know what Hearn's involvement is in the deal? How much of the one billion would be for fighters and how does that even work? How does it compare with the PBC figures? So I We don't know. We, we honestly don't know, but I suspect he'll overpay. Whatever, for everything, he'll overpay. Good, uh, as long as people are getting paid out of it. I'm all right with that. David McGinley asks, who would win a boxing match and how do you see it playing out between Dorian Darch versus a wet paper bag? <laughs> and he asked specifically not to skip over that question. Uh, don't talk wet, David Maguire. <laughs> so I call him David Maguire because I work with it. Dave McGinley. Fuck. I did wonder. Yeah, He's not so. in the VIP seat anymore, so. Ah. We've got a new VIP member potentially. But, but look, don't give Darcy a hard time. Darcy's a six foot heavyweight, right? Shouldn't probably be boxing heavyweight at that height. So, I mean, you're going to get battered at the, when those giants come in. But he's a, he's a legend in Aberdeer, apparently. Loves his strongbow dark fruits. Um, Ali McKenzie coming to the live show all the way from Ireland. Yeah. Wait, um, wait, what about the other guy, Seamus Campbell? I'm surprised he's not showing up. <laughs> well, just to fill you in. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll hate the Irish. Um, <laughs> but no, Ali McKenzie, shout out for uh, coming all the way from Ireland to London. For oh, so if you're coming from further that away. That's brilliant. Than, than we are. The, the <laughs> then then uh, let us know. You can. Uh, yeah, just a reminder listen, member. guys, get the tickets. They're going nicely at the moment. Happy with sales. But right. we, wa- we want to make sure that. No one starts texting and emailing going, I really wish I could get tickets, but you got to be fast, you know? That's what I was saying the other day, didn't I? I put it on, I put it on Twitter and I put it on. It, it sounded like <laughs> I got called out by Craig at Fight Talk. It sounded like I was like, tickets are going fast, boys. Get your, get your orders in now. Was, Craig what? called you out saying you sound like a small hall fighter. Yeah, I was, it's not like that. But last time we, we put a few shouts out, then they all went and then people were like, Oh, oh, I've left it till the last fucking minute. As I said in my tweet, yeah. like a bloke on Christmas Eve who turns up at a petrol station to buy his Christmas presents. Like, don't, don't leave don't, it till the last minute. Don't, because, don't delay it. Because clearly there's some sort of twist in the matrix and we ha- somehow we've managed to sell tickets to a live show. God knows how that happened, but that's the fact of this matrix jinx or whatever it is. Oh. How bad this speech is shows how odd it is exactly. that we managed to sell a ticket. <laughs> if nothing else, it does illustrate that. <laughs> if you want a ticket, buy one ASAP. If you don't, then you'll probably send it. Ticketweb.co.uk. Um, oh, I've just got a laugh, right? <laughs> We're just chatting about the World Boxing Super Series. I just checked my phone. I put a tweet out four days ago saying, Tete, Burnett and Rodriguez in the Bantamweight Super Series ace. Hopefully winner of McDonald versus Inoue. Maybe loser too if it's close. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Just need Stuart Hall now to make it a legitimate tournament. Stuart Hall is like the whipping boy for every new matchroom <laughs> bantamweight. Just need it's retweeted by Stuart Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he got my uh, sarcasm of, I don't want to see you in this, Stuart. The whipping but, boy. <laughs> but yeah, every new bantamweight that comes through, Stuart Hall's there. Uh, David Mealy asks... Would that Sam Sexton beat the Lucas Brown who waddled into the white no. fight? Well, I think maybe that Lucas Brown. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, 
Next three opponents you'd match with Huey to continue his de- development gradually? Dimitrenko, Otto Valin, Tom Schwartz. You, you done with that? You, you I'm all right with that. in that one. Question for the pod from Mark Broadley. Huey's win last night. Ugh. How are they going? Who are they going to match him with next? What's the um, answer that? Yeah, okay. It's not his fault. <laughs> he didn't know that when he tweeted it. With the <laughs> fucking hell, give him a break. Fuck's sake, Mark. Come on, screw the nut. Check uh, everyone their... else's timeline before you submit a question, <laughs> please. With their TV partner and promoter, how are they going to make the fight with someone in the top ten? With his skills and style, uh, he's difficult. I he's think a difficult we said it earlier. Hiding to nothing. Mission so, impossible, almost. There is uh, definitely a bit of a uh, a bit of thunder stolen there. Sorry about that, mate. Thunder. Um, na, 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 <laughs> Craig of Fight Talk asks, does Lomachenko beat Anthony Yard? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Listen, <clears throat> right? No one will ever beat Anthony Yard. <laughs> ever. Even if wow, that's but listen, let me let me just touch on Anthony Yard, right? And this is what I mean about the bullshit we have to accept from boxers. Let's just be clear. Boxers are people who struggle to write their GCSEs with the answers fucking put next to them. Right? Let's be absolutely clear about this. There are a few intelligent boxers, but most of them, they know what they really are, right? They're future scaffolders and doormen. So, <laughs> fuck's sake. Please never criticize me for pulling up Anthony fucking Fowler and his hypocrisy. I mean, Andy, no, 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 but Anthony Farrell's is the kind of guy who goes, I mean, he slags off fighters. Like, he slags off, there's a video of Anthony Yard doing his pads. Like, he's been doing this routine for years, right? Like, whatever you think of it, you think of it. The quick but, hand touch. Yeah, but essentially, Anthony Yard is, he's a good prospect, right? Anthony Fowler's not a good prospect. Do you know what I mean? Like, are you mad because there's a better Anthony than you? I don't know, but you're slagging him off. But you slagged off Eubank Jr. as well. Slagged off O'Hara Davis. I'm like, Number one, you strike me as just being a violent, bitter guy. And I don't understand this because you have a great platform on Sky. You've boxed in the Olympics. Just go out there and do you. So when other boxers go, you can't criticise Anthony Fowler. And this all happens behind the scenes and it annoys me. You can't criticise him. You don't know what it's like being in the ring. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not asking him or telling him how to move his feet in the third phase attack. I'm saying don't be a fucking hypocrite. That, that requires an order of intellect far higher than your average boxer to understand I get it but for fuck's sake man leave guys like Anthony Yard alone to do what they're doing when it doesn't work by all means stick the knife in but he's doing what he's doing right now and that's the truth for any boxer I mean all of this boxers bullying other boxers or slagging other boxers off is fucking childish and we should be calling these idiots out on this Uh, Craig also asks Sadim, uh, Saddam Ali was decimated last night from the Liam Smith replacement. Would he have been battered by Smith? Or is... Seems oh, like a stitch on this one. On a different level. It just seems it's, like Smith probably couldn't make weight. I have a feeling he just couldn't make weight. Maybe. Because maybe. While Saddam Ali was tailor-made for someone like Liam. Liam's a tough guy and he can go to the body hard and he can hook really hard. It's what Saddam Ali hates. That's why the Miguel Cotto fight was chosen. Because it's a good fight for Cotto to just left hook him into oblivion. Ali was just able to catch it, Cotto when he was old and unmotivated. Liam Smith could have won that fight. So ask yourself, why didn't he? This is an easy belt for him to get. Now this, this fucking numpty's got the belt. And it's going to be hard to make a fight because no one knows who he is. And it's not marketable. Well, he's Mexican. I'd imagine I'd do a good job of uh, building him into a new Canelo. He's only like 20... 
two years old or something. Um, seems like a bit of a knockout. I should say, I don't know an awful uh, lot about Eggington him. in there. <laughs> uh, Paul Dempsey, discuss, he asks. Is that the angry guy on Channel 5, the presenter guy? Yeah, the terrible presenter. Because I know I saw Craig criticising him a lot yesterday. I, I like watch, him. I didn't watch enough of it to be able to understand. I, I like it because he's very passive-aggressive. And like you can see he's intimidated being around fight people. But he wants to impose himself on Garmin Chat. I, I like Paul Dempster. I think Craig's... Uh, you didn't get his name right. It's Paul Dempsey. Is That's how much you like yeah. him. <laughs> Paul Dempster. I used to work with a Paul Dempster. <laughs> Um, he got sacked for shagging loads of girls in the call centre. Nice. Yeah, I'd have promoted him. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, did he do it in the call centre? Yeah. Good. Yeah, like, you know, make the most of your surroundings. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keep costs Craig, down. Craig had real issue with uh, Paul Dempsey. Kept reading off his auto cue throughout the uh, the show last night, but I didn't watch enough of it to be able to comment, really. Yeah, I just don't, look. It was watching it anyway. It's Only just, a few of us saddos on Twitter. It's, it's, like a it's few chair. knobheads like me that are putting on five spike. Let's be honest. Like there were about eight people watching it. <laughs> we're like an echo chamber on Twitter going, this is shit, this is shit. Yeah, we're all watching it. What are we doing? It's a terrible idea. Um, finally, Senor Tasty. Mick. Uh, <coughs> hope you got your ticket, Mick. Asks, promoters get enough stick for not getting fighters opportunities so should Liam Smith and Tesco be criticised for not taking a chance last night yeah it's embarrassing yes yes Saddam Ali is a welterweight fighting a line middle Liam Smith should have patched up whatever issue he had should have you know got a gastric band if that was the problem and gone out <laughs> or, or, or to be honest Eddie should have just whacked Kel in there and gone well, actually no I saw Kel when he was with Errol Spence <laughs> there's no hope for him is yeah, there yeah I'm not sure he'd be making one five four. Anytime soon. No. Unless we're talking stone, but Jesus. 15 points. Um, yeah, no, Liam Smith should have done everything, everything in his rights to be able to get over there and take that fight. Because they were talking about they were just pushing it back a little bit. Liam Smith was talking about like, oh, I'm not going to make that fight date, but I can make it a little while later. <laughs> and now, is he really going to want to make that a little bit later after seeing nope. what happened to Saddam Ali? Got I'd be surprised. Battered. Uh, that is it, I believe. And no. given that I've got to go to work, no, I'm no, very keen on... No, 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 no. Let's yeah, okay. shut up. Look. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm really no, no, looking forward to another 20-minute rant on... Next Saturday... Hungarian amateurs. ...sees the debut of a young man called John Palata. I've um, met him. He's legit. John, everyone knows me. I love John. Trained John when he was in the amateurs. He's gone pro. He's training with Don Charles. It's all going well. He's in a great environment with guys like Derek Tesora the most underrated fighter I've met in my life, Eric Moconzo, future Hall of Famer he is. The man. Congolese warrior. Yeah, Mystic Mock, all these sorts of nicknames he has, future Hall of Famer, the only man I've ever met who never gets punched, never been punched in the face in his whole life. Oh, no, Willie Hutchinson. Nah, nah, none of those landed. Watch the video. <laughs> I love Eric. Millimeter away. By the millimeter way, I, away. I love Eric. Like, yeah. I might sound I'm taking the piss, but he's a very nice bloke. Yeah, no, like, Eric's genuinely. brilliant. Um, but no, John has his debut on Saturday, and oh, I only cool. I only mention this because like I'm shitting it. Like more often, I sit here and I just poke holes at shit, and I'm like, hold on, I mean, I'm in the firing line for the first time, and people are going to ask me the questions if it goes wrong. But I don't believe it will because when I said he's the most athletic heavyweight, people laughed at me, but they've seen the box jump. Like the man is genuinely a freak of nature when it comes to physical endeavor. So. 
If you can get down to your call Saturday, get your ticket, put it in John's name, get behind him because there aren't many heavyweights like him. There aren't many heavyweights that are dynamic and move like him. You know, if you want to know what he's like, just as a woman, go and find some Larry Holmes fights from like 1977 when he was still young and lithe and energetic. You get that sense with him. And it's not me that's saying that, man. It's Don Charles. And I defer to his expertise in matters of heavyweights. I look forward to, because uh, I'll be down there reporting anyway. I look forward to seeing Terry watching the fight. I think I'm probably going to watch Terry more than I'm going to watch the fight. Because I've watched you the other week when you were watching your amateur lad on your phone. And like you were an emotional wreck doing that. Yeah. So to be there live whilst your, you know, your amateur protege is making his pro debut. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see it. And I might oh. even cry. You know, I'll film it well, for everyone, don't I? Well, because here's the thing, and I think I've said it before. It's hard to explain what happens, like, emotionally, because you're trying to be objective and trying to be practical and trying to watch what's going on like you normally would. But you're also there going, well, come on, come on. <clears throat> and, and you're just so invested in it, you can't even be objective. I don't have that precise same level of um, attachment to him, but Linus Udofia is the fighter that I sit and watch. And... I genuinely like. There are very few fighters I watch like behind my hands almost, because although he's in control for the majority of fights, I still sit there and I know Linus so well, and I've shared a ring with Linus, and I yeah. played about with Linus. And I do you say you played about what in the ring? No, no, like, down like Linus. In the ring. Linus, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, 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 Andy called him a terrible human the other day. Woo! So uh, no, I didn't. Linus, <laughs> I, Linus, I feel there's another three rounded you. I toyed with him. <laughs> I toyed with him. <laughs> he was my toy. No, you like, you got to do it Chisora style. I got the DVD, you know. <laughs> I've got the DVD. So, yeah, no, that's the kind of thing. Another shout out to Umar Sadiq, another pod favourite. Yeah. I don't know if you've oh. seen his vlog from today, but I it gives did. us a little shout at the end. Huge respect for that. Classy a move. Absolutely brilliant. Like, so Umar's been out in Vegas. I was trying to get him hooked up with Wayne McCulloch. We just couldn't get things moving, but. I had a chat with Wayne. Next time Umar's out there, we're going to get him hooked up with Wayne McCulloch. Everyone knows him from the Olympics. And, you know... Right, Naz. Yep. And then we're trying to get him hooked up in Vegas with guys like Gerald Tucker Sr., who's one of my favorite trainers, although he's having a hiatus at the moment. But just do all we can for these guys. Umar, Dan, all of these guys who you heard here first, right? They're endorsed by this podcast. Yeah. So, so when I tell you John Pilata is that good, I'm saying that with my track record on this podcast. So have faith, people. Yeah, but no, like if you haven't watched yeah. any of his vlogs, they're, they're good. amusing, they're, they're positive, they're fun, and they're insightful. Yeah, but don't ever put Lee Eaton in your videos again, right? <laughs> now, seriously, don't put Lee Eaton in your videos because you you know he Judas doesn't... What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. People get sit down. We don't get asked to come and commentate anymore because you guys are taking all our food. <laughs> I mean, we're out here starving, man. I mean, but don't put Lee in your videos again because right, he's showing us no love and respect. But anyway, no, look, do get on that because there aren't yeah. that many boxers out there that take raw footage, presumably off his phone. He's walking around with his phone in like selfie mode an awful lot and then actually does something with it. So yeah. like puts a produ uh, professional production over the top. It's just, it's different. And we should be encouraging boxers to put together different content to show us the lives of boxers. But be interesting first, right? Yep. There's certain boxers, I don't give a fuck what you put on there. You could give me money. I'm not watching your shit. Uma, all day. <laughs> Danazis, all day. JP, all day. 
I mean, the guys are Adrian Martin. I watch Adrian Martin 24 hours a day, just Adrian for the record. Adrian Martin, brilliant. Yeah, Adrian Martin 24 hours a day. Adrian Martin's the equivalent. You know, um, oh, what's, is it Gloucester where they get that ball of cheese and they roll it yeah. down a hill? And then you can't stop that cheese. Yeah. That's like starting a conversation with Adrian Martin. And I love that because yeah. the guy is like, he's so... Um, he just he goes off on different tangents about boxing. But if you start a boxing conversation with Adrian Martin, make sure the next half hour of your life yeah. is set aside and you'll learn out of it. Yeah, good guy. Um, just behind the scenes, a great human being, yep, like morals, is. integrity, funny guy, entertaining. Adrian Martin, man, he's a good guy. Okay, Let's that go. has to wrap it up because I have to go to work. So. You, you don't have to. Like th These are choices you make. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um... But on this occasion, I'm going to go and choose to not lose my job and go to work. So you can find another one, man. You're 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 Andy White. Twisted <laughs> yeah, that's true. Me. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you know, anyway, uh, Glastonbury next year, if the rumours are to be believed, the blogosphere. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're headlining. So, but so watch this space. I keep getting loads of Stuart Hall fans liking my tweet now. <laughs> I wasn't ah, serious. Only actually, they actually, knew. Listen, Liam Cameron, love you, man. Stay strong. It's coming, yeah? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I know what's happening behind the scenes there, but, you know what I mean, it's coming. We're with you. Whatever it is, it's definitely coming. So, so no, no, actually, so shit, sorry, <laughs> sorry. So, you wanted to go to work? No. Liam Cameron, <laughs> if you guys on the Twitter sphere love to find hypocrisy in boxing, just ask yourselves, man, why, why aren't people giving Liam Cameron the chance? Why are people not fighting Liam Cameron? Why aren't guys like Conrad Cummings calling him out? If you guys on Twitter are really about the truth and you call yourselves hardcores, you should be behind people fighting guys like Liam Cameron. Yet he seems to be incredibly avoided right now. But he doesn't deserve that because Liam Cameron is one of you guys. He's a boxing fan, first and foremost, and a guy that loves to fight and loves to entertain you guys. And he's no got tattoos on his face, so don't piss him nice. off. Nice. No running backwards with him, no running around the ring. He's there to I mean he's there to inflict pain. So I mean get behind him. We're done. Um, on the subject of tattoos, oh, before I go... Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, sorry, oh, mate. I've got work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Oh. My heart bleeds purple piss. Uh, my mate just had a tattoo. Barney? <laughs> my mate, uh, mate just had a tattoo. That Sam, you know. Who's Sam? Sam Fairhurst. Oh, so oh. had a tattoo? Yeah. Wow, midlife crisis. Right, so he's had like this... What like, the fuck is it? Ra raven, raven face. Is that, Ga is that Gary Glitter? So, yeah. Right, so it's a big old tattoo. But what I thought was the most impressive aspect was my other mate. I then asked him, "How long did that take?" He said, "I clocked ten hours on Tuesday, and then seventeen hours on Wednesday. <laughs> a seventeen-hour session for a tattoo." And his mate, he's like, "Thankfully, his mate's on Adderall. He's on Adderall prescription, so he doesn't have any appetite or need for sleep." <laughs> Sam having eaten a sandwich took 17 hours to nice. have his Sam will mean nothing to anyone listening. Sam's an old school friend of ours. Yeah. He's a good guy though. I like Sam. Yeah. He's ranked he's ranked number 7 in the WBO. <laughs> just just above Liam Smith. <laughs> anyway, that clock's 2 hours. Um I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, get your live show tickets. Why was Savannah Marshall on a uh, Hennessy undercard? On she's not with Mayweather anymore. No, I know, she? but like she signed with Mayweather. She ends up on a Fat Mix show. She's she training well, in the Phoenix she, Club. She trains. She trains <laughs> with Peter, doesn't she? Yeah, but why? Anyway, whatever. Well, that Mayweather just did it for publicity, didn't he? That was yeah. just a let's look good to the British fans. Give her a fight. Don't need her anymore. So bizarre. Birdie beat Clarissa Shields. Yeah, she. Some of those punches Marshall was throwing. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. 
Thank you for listening. Get in touch. All right, at guys, Box listen. UK, at ha- have a great Monday. Or oh, if he fucks up again, have a great Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get this out by Thursday, I promise. Absolutely <laughs> promise. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.